Did you get it fixed? You uh, put the the arms on backwards. <laughs> the, oh well, the, like this part. You, I think you swapped them because it it turns the other way. Um, that's going to be a fun hobby progress segment. <laughs> what have you done with my arms? You, fr- it's on backwards. <laughs> oh my! Upside down. <laughs> really? I thought I was following the instructions. Well, of course. Now I'm just imagining this redemptor going around like I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> oh, okay. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Undergrowth Network Warhammer 40k podcast. I'm your host, Rob. Dennis. And Richard. No, Kevin, today due to technical difficulties, we could not get Skype behaving properly this morning for some reason, so we're going to carry on without him with his blessing. So, uh, unfortunately, none of his input, but hopefully make editing a little bit easier. Love you, Kevin. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Uh, Today, we are getting back to a Codex review because Codex Orcs is out. It actually has been out for a little while at this point. Uh, we've actually seen it in action at uh, Renegade Open. Richard played it in the Friendly. It yep. won Renegade, the Renegade Open GT. Uh, and it's had time for Errata to come out. So figure this is actually a good chance to start kind of looking into it from a variety of angles. But first, as always, uh, news and new releases and then your listener mail, uh, news and new releases, like right around, like just after Renegade, there was like a massive dump of uh, release no- release news from uh, the Vigilus Open Day that they had yeah. up, uh, up in uh, Nottingham. And there were some very interesting uh, releases, you know, hit, not just hinted at, just straight up shown. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot more information about uh, chapter approved yet, although we imagine that's going to be going up for pre-order sooner rather than later. And as soon as we can tell you anything about it, we will. Yep. But uh, more interestingly is some of the new campaign stuff that's coming out, new models that are coming. So first off, there's a, an actual campaign box set for doing uh, city fight campaigns called Urban Conquest. Which looks interesting. It's got kind of a, uh, from what I understand, it has a card sleeve uh, system. Somebody, because there was actually somebody there on Reddit reporting what they saw. There's so there's two interesting things coming out along the scope of narrative play, but it does bleed over a bit into match play. And first off, there's a uh, new box set for doing hive at, like hive city uh, combat and campaigns called Urban Conquest. And then there's a new campaign book coming out called Imperium Nihilus Vigilus Defiant, which Vigilus is apparently the new campaign world that uh, they're really focusing on. Uh, and apparently for a while, this is not just a one and done book. The Vigilus is going to be an ongoing campaign setting probably over the next year or two. Uh, this is a world that uh, it's like the new Cadia, basically, whereas Cadia was obviously guarded the gate to the Eye of Terror, and of course, Katie is now wrecked. 
Uh, this vigilus is important because it guards the passageway to like the one safe passage across the Great Rift. So the Empire is defending it vigorously. You know, they know that they cannot allow this to fall. And everybody and their mother, with a couple of exceptions, uh, has decided that that's going to be a place to make a stand, make it, you know, capture it, take it for chaos, or, you know, what have you. Because we know, uh, it, actually, a number of the box sets that have come out recently, Tooth and Claw and Wake the Dead, even the original Kill Team box set that came out with uh, Gene Steeler Cults and Mechanicus, those are all set on Vigilus. So, those are some of the factions that are coming to play. Orcs are on Vigilus. They've got like a big wall that's kind of gathering outside the hive cities and moving in. So there's a lot of stuff going down on Vigilus. And so this, they're basically saying this campaign book, you know, they say take the depth, texture, and detail of the Horus Heresy campaign books, add themed armies and narrative battling inspired by classics like Codex Armageddon, throw in an epic story that will change the face of the galaxy, and you've got Vigilus Defiant, quote unquote. So, I mean, that's straight from GW. Uh, some of the stuff that is inside this is going to include rules, and there's a model that's being released alongside it, for a Primaris version of Marnius Calgar. Marnius Calgar is apparently the first traditional space marine who has taken on the surgery to be upgraded into uh, Primaris form. Now, it, he, the ad they have talks about like how he has crossed the Rubicon of the Rubicon Primaris. He has faced death and been reborn. So we don't know if this is like Calgar takes like a major hit and the only way to save him is to Primaris fi him. Or if he's like, or if uh, Gulliman's basically like, yeah, you get better. <laughs> get, <laughs> and he almost died. Maybe he almost dies during the surgery and is reborn. Or they strap him to a chair, take his life down to one and then uh, bring him back. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And this is, of course, led. If you've been online at all, you've probably seen the memes about the Premier, Codex Primaris Lieutenants. Since every special model that Games Workshop seems to be releasing for like special events is a Primaris Lieutenant of some form or other, plus all the various like founding chapters have their own Primaris Lieutenant models. And now everyone's like, "Well, let's see." Technically, Calgar is second in charge of the Ultramarines to re- reboot Gulliman. Second in charge means he's technically a lieutenant. Which means now we have Codex Primaris Lieutenant as we can have like a whole well, army of them. And the other chapters can celebrate because it means the Ultramarines aren't right because they're all filled with lieutenants. That one's for our British <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and yet we laugh. <laughs> we laugh because it beats crying. Uh, there's also a new uh, Black Legion jump pack character coming out that looks pretty beater yeah yeah he looks awesome uh harkin world claimer is his name so we've there's been some possible rumors of maybe a uh ultramarines versus black legion box set coming don't know uh we do know that uh calgar is also accompanied by and i don't know if it's included in the kit or not uh but uh there have been shown uh, two primaris honor guard models like big ultramarine shields and gladius swords and to go with them so which makes sense you know he he should have an honor guard he's still technically their chapter master so uh, but yeah the, between the vigilist defiant and urban conquest there's also some interesting things coming down the pipe rule wise and so i'm going to uh cross over to some news that came out of reddit from someone uh, this is from someone named uh, Captain Betts, who was at the Vigilus Weekender in England. 
and uh, he reported every detail he heard. So I want to just read this verbatim, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a bit. So first off, for City Fight. City Fight is a thing. It has special attachments, special rules, and stratagems in the new campaign book. There's a new army mechanic for picking detachments. There are new mega stratagems. They affect whole loads of units in a detachment. For example, they can give every unit in a detachment a keyword. Gene Stealer cults are in it. They get special attachments, too. The orcs have a stratagem to make a stomp of their warlord. There's even a stomp of warlord trait table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These rules will be legal for matched play. Uh, you pay CP for specialist attachments rather than in 7th edition when formations were free. And we've seen somebody's figured out a little bit of this from screenshots because, like, the ad for Vigilist Defiant has the, the book. Yeah, has them flipping through the pages really fast, and somebody managed to screenshot enough. To be able to, it, you know, it's a high def video, so they're able to read a little bit of it, and it seems like, like the or one of the orc examples is you take a spearhead detachment, you pay so many CP, and then like all the battle wagons and this and that, there's like four or five units that gain a keyword, and then that opens up a new warlord trait. If like if your warlord is, has this keyword, you can use this warlord trait. It, they can hit take this relic and then here are like three or four stratagems that they can that you they can use and that key off of that keyword. So it's an interesting take rather than just like you take these models, you get a free benefit. Yay. It seems more it, it's more like basically there's almost like a pregame stratagem for like if you have a detachment that fits these criteria, you get this keyword and then it unlocks a bunch of stuff. Uh you there are more sp- Specialized benefits, uh, so are quote-unquote easier to balance. An example of a stratagem or benefit is Indomitus Veterans, which upgrades all intercessors in a detachment to veterans. Let's see, they said they were aware that armies with a load of CP, such as Guard, have more CP than more elite armies. They The benefits only affect specific models, so they do only, like, they again, they key off of, like, a, like, I think the orc example was a Blitz Brigade Battle Wagon. You know, like get key gets the access to this stratagem. Urban combat, on the other hand, or urban I think it's urban conquest is a box set. There's a plastic wallet inside with cards to make a map for building your own hive city. The overall map is roughly a one, a two ish. So I'm not, I don't know my British sizes of paper because I know like letter paper is what a four. So I don't know exactly what an A1, A2 is. That might be smaller or larger. I I think that's larger. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, You slot the cards together to make a city. They're apparently reusable stickers you can peel on and off to show control of a given area. The box also contains more content, which wasn't touched upon further. Uh, Specialist attachments are more characterful rather than powerful. These detachments won't be for every army or model out there. They'll just be for the armies and models that make the most sense. Those attachments are not intended to be a replacement of the seventh edition formations, which is is good. I think that's fine. I, I've had enough of formations, and I think this is a, a more interesting way to have flavored detachments because, again, there's a cost involved in it. Uh, vigilists will be around for a while, but there are no Necrons or Talon Vigilists. They will appear in later settings if they suit it. They just don't want to make an unrealistic setting where every faction is involved. I am makes sense. Yeah, I'm good with that. And if you look at the old... Um Forge World campaign books, each one was only one or two armies that right. made sense for that location. Right. Like, uh, Mimira was, what, Eldar, Corsairs, and Space Wolves, right? Maybe a yeah. little bit of Guard, because there's usually, like, yeah, Guard. Yeah, Guard were there. Yeah. Like, well, anything in the Imperium, there's usually Guard there. Or even Vrax was still most, it was, like, Guard and, like, a couple of chapters versus, like, Death Guard and maybe World Eaters. You know, it's, 
you know, yeah, the, so keeping in mind with making a somewhat quasi-realistic setting, I'm good with that. The setting isn't just one environment. I example everything being a frozen tundra. There are different biomes and a load of variety. Uh, Paul Denton is the artist who does the environmental pictures for it. Water is super precious on Vigilus, if you didn't know this already. So the Admech use a space elevator to fetch water. Some guard detachments include one for Lehman Russes, one for Tempesta Scions, one for Sentinels. Uh, the factions present on Vigilus are going to be getting all these rules, but notably, rather than Admech being listed as a faction, they are instead getting listed as Castellan Robots. Eldar were being listed as Windrider Host. Other factions were getting their general name, Orcs, Gene Stealer, Cults, Space Wolves. And some armies won't be appearing in campaign books if they don't fit with any of the planned campaigns. And uh, Primaris, as far as Primaris news, normal Space Marines can be made into Primaris now with surgery or something. So again, this is all unclear. We'll find out more as the campaign book is released. Uh, many Marines aren't going anywhere. Grey Knights are not getting the Primaris treatment. Oh, no. I'm so upset. Hear the disappointment in my voice. <laughs> Why, Richard? I'm okay I, with that. I was like, <laughs> I detect a hint of sarcasm, Richard. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, Gene Stealer Cults. As to whether they'll have a load of Astra Militarum data sheets printed in the Gene Stealer Cult book, no. However, anything you've been able to play to ally or anything you've been able to ally in previously to Gene Stealer Cultist using the index is possible now. They use Manicores as an example. They don't want to make anybody's previous purchases wasted, which is good. That's good. They have tried to make them stronger as a standalone army. They said that many Gene Stealer cult lists right now are just a tiny amount of Gene Stealer cult and then a load of Tyranids or, and or IG. Right. Which is true. That's how that, most cults yeah. are being run right now. Strongly suggested they've been getting su- they'd be getting sub factions, which that doesn't surprise me. They've had like mul- many cult rules, or right. like they've had the cults listed. They didn't have rules for them, but yeah, that's yeah. I mean makes sense. Everybody else is getting sub chapter you know chapter rules, and these be no different. Uh, Codex has exciting new mechanics, stratagems especially. The Codex adds a lot of options to the army. It's almost a complete release. It's almost a complete replacement. Uh, the releases shown today, which some of the releases were, they, they again showed the three armed gunfighter. Yeah. They showed new dirt bikes with Gene Stealer cultists on them. Yeah. Those look awesome. Yeah. Including one with like a sniper, like a, yeah, dirt bike mounted sniper. Right. Uh, there's like a quad, looks like, like a quad runner with like a seismic cannon mounted on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, some cool stuff coming coming from them model wise. And the strategist, yeah, it's the strategist with the little map of Warhammer World that he's attacking. Yep. Let's see, and uh, yeah, that's not the full set of releases. There's more to come. So there's stuff that we haven't even seen yet that will be. So Gene Steeler Colts getting like a full on revamp as a new army already. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then Cult Ambush is getting something turn one. Not the full deep strike like it was pre-FAQ, but something more than just a nine-inch pregame movement like uh, what Alpha Legion and Raven Guard are getting. Okay. As far as future releases and future campaigns, a Renegade card, Renegade Guard Codex isn't in the works right now. That makes me sad, mm. considering the, the Traitor Guard in Blackstone Fortress looks so good. Yeah. Um. More than one campaign book in the style of Vigilus coming. Each setting will have its own theme. The Imperium will be in each campaign setting, but that makes sense. The Imperium kind of is all over the galaxy, and they're kind of the viewpoint faction for, you know, for 40K, so it makes sense. Right. 
the next campaign setting will be is very fleshed out already, similar in structure to what we'll see with Vigilus and Urban Conquest. Uh, campaign books like City Fight, like Urban Conquest, won't be limited. There won't be a six-month window in which you can buy them. So that's good. Because that, that was always one of those things, like a campaign book would appear, and then it would be gone, and then you'd never be able to get it again. And if that had important faction rules in it, that's bad. Yeah. Um, there is currently no, there are more codexes coming out next year, which we know Gene Steeler cults are coming. We know sisters are coming, but apparently there's more than just that. I kind of would think a Inari codex uh, could be something. Eventually we will have an Inari codex. And some sort of equivalent of Agents of the Imperium. Ah, the, that's Maybe. the next line. There is no currently no plans to release an Agents of the Imperium codex. Blech. The designers felt that units don't translate to the, to the battlefield well. An Inquisitor might feel more appropriate for Rogue Trader or Kill Team. Well, that is true. Yeah. Specifically gave examples of a character with a simple rapier and a last pistol just doesn't feel right. They actually used Eisenhorn as a very specific example, too. Hmm. No, the, I, I'm, I, I mean, if you think yeah. they're, they're not in huge, huge epic battles, they're more in just skirmishes and city the, fights. Like, there's stuff. occasionally, like, in the Eisenhorn books, there's, a there's like, at one point he conscripts some, like, guard and space marines to, like fight f- like, fight through a place so that he can get there. But he doesn't take play, doesn't really take part in the main battle that much. Right. He kind of like follows up and they clear the path for him to get there. And then the actual, like, if you were going to do that, you do a campaign battle of like guard and uh, space marines versus like chaos. And then you do a, a kill team mission with Eisenhorn and his retinue versus whatever there is guarding whatever he's getting to. So, no, I, yeah. I'm, I'm actually fine with that. Yeah. I'm like, now there's some things like assassins. Assassins would take pl- part on the battlefield, I think. But also, but I'm also fine with. I and I know it sucks for players who want to play Inquisition, but I understand not giving them a full codex. But they yeah. need they do need something more than the index treatment. Yeah, I I imagine what you'll see is like you'll see an Inquisition book or box similar to like the Rogue Trader box we got, and then it'll have a pamphlet for rules for 40k. Right. I could see that, and then it's its own detachment. It's it's this this particular inquisitor and their retinue. It's a detachment. It's going to be like a patrol or something. And either that, or they might give it to where you can have an inquisitor, and they just don't take up a force org slot in yeah. the detachment. Don't count against you. Right, right. But rather than trying to make a codex for it, right, just something that can be an add on. Yeah, which and I'm I think that's fine. It gets rid of the trying to shoehorn everything into the codex format. Right. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Uh, let's see. For box games, they usually work about a year in advance. The person giving the seminar was working three years ahead on some stuff. The missioners team plans significantly further than one year, but that's because the turnaround on manu- design manufacturing is going to take longer. Right. Uh, more rogue trader explorations, or at least this style of release, will come in the future. So, yeah, more rogue trader boxes. Beta codexes are sort of a thing we'll be seeing in the future, but not in the same way of the Sisters of Battle Beta, where you've got an entire codex inside chapter approved. The beta rules will be put in White Dwarf, example, a data sheet or a few stratagems. If they're well-liked, they'll find their way into match play 40k, maybe with tweaks, depending on feedback. But Sisters of Battle should be a good standalone army. Uh, Rules-wise, so there's, a like I said, a lot of news coming out of Vigilus, or the Vigilus Weekender, so this is good stuff to talk about. Uh, they don't want to punish soup. They'd rather reward builds than penalize them. There's no comment no comment on whether they try to reward monofaction armies, which, again, with a few exceptions, I think monofaction's kind of dead. dead. Yeah. yeah. They are aware they don't quite get soup yet. They don't 
either they don't either and I don't know if that means they don't get why people are making it or if they don't get like how to fit how to quote unquote fix the issue or I think the Battle Brothers solution for match play has been pretty good. Yeah, that's definitely been a, a solid start. Yeah. At, and again, I don't have the problems with what everyone considers soup. Although, and I think between that and the CP uh, regenerating rules, that's helped a bit. Um, you still have the issue of people taking like cheap CP batteries, but that's just the nature of the game right now. Uh, until they change up how, unless they change up how you, armies, how some armies can access CP, that's just going to be a thing. Uh, points are actually worked out using a formula, some of which depends on the points themselves. Open play rules are mainly to scratch a certain itch and give an opportunity to add more creative and crazy rules into the game without breaking play. Uh, one of the things that we know is coming in uh, chapter approved, besides making your own custom orc looted vehicles for open play, is making your own custom characters for open play. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, I think that that could be fun. Yeah. And I would love to see narrative players like kind of absorb that and use it, because being able to build your own custom space marine captain or elf or El- Eldar Farsi or Eldar Farsi yeah that's what I meant same thing same thing yeah that would be that would be or your own orc war boss yeah rather than just using the generic war boss which is supposed to be a named character anyway yeah no, just we'll get saying. to that later <laughs> they know the fly FAQ change was an issue they wanted to solve a simple problem which led to oversights they want to create simple fixes rather than add a load of complication to the game. So basically saying like when they said the fly the fly fix of you only fly in the movement phase and then having to update all these rules to not work outside of that it had ripples that they weren't weren't expecting but the, the game is so large anything they do is going to have ripples everywhere especially how people kind of dig into the rules to look for the cheapest way to get models on the board the cheapest way to get CP the fastest way to get guys across the board People are always looking for whatever advantages they can get out of things. Yeah, and I and I think really what this comes down to is again, I know you know GW is really trying to address the match play, but it strikes me that they are more still more of a narrative play mindset, which is why a lot of the stuff they're pushing is narrative play. They want to tell stories. They have they want people to like spend an afternoon playing this one epic battle out rather than trying to cram three battle three short competitive games into a day but they're they're also trying to do what they can to support that so they're kind of damned if they do damned if they don't but i will give them kudos for kind of trying they're on both make, fronts they're really making an effort and they are trying to to listen to the community but at the same time i i, I got to give them kudos for still trying to push like hey we want to do some narrative stuff too we can't just push match play all the time uh, changing rules and FAQs in chapter approved. They don't want to be changing the rules constantly and frequently. They say that most players aren't in the tournament circuit, which is true. I imagine most players... We interact with tournament players a lot, but there's a lot more players out there that just want to play on the weekends and have fun games. So Yeah. And that doesn't even address the people who just want to play Garage Hammer or just you know get together with their friends or do campaigns or stuff like that. Instead, missions included in chapter approved, etc. are meant to put a new spin on the rules, which is a problem because nobody's using the chapter approved missions. They're all using IT. <laughs> Everyone's using ITC champs for match play anyway. They don't like the idea of having too many required books either. Example, having one page from a campaign book, two from White Dwarf, etc. They say it should be possible to build an army without needing hundreds of different sources. True. That yeah. should be the case. Although right now you still need to have your codex, chap- the most recent chapter approved at least, 
and possibly an index if you're using any of those options, which the index chart is still an issue, the, the flow chart. Uh, they need a better way to resolve that. They say that their goal is to ha- be, have it to be possible to make a good army with fewer sources. They use gene stealer cults as a specific example where you should be able to build a good gene stealer cult army just using gene stealer cult and maybe a tiny amount of guard or tyranids for flavor. But if guards and tyranids are viewed as better, then they, they're they not going to be there for flavor. Well, and again, it, it comes down to that argument of fl- of functional versus good. Right. And right now, the issue is which one, it, especially in a competitive setting, which one is better as opposed to do these all function independently. Uh, index options are here to stay for a while. They're just not in the codex because it's bad to have a codex option with selections you can't buy on shelves. In which case, that it's good. They just need to... F- there needs to be a better way to support it than just the indexes. Uh, I mean, I'll do my unpopular opinion here then is I would love for them to move index to open play only and take it out of match because then that's one less book. People who go to tournaments have to worry about or have to carry because by next year, everyone should have a codex. There should be nothing. Uh, I, I'm good indexes. with let's take Inari out of the, uh, out of a match play for like a year. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm I, down. I'm see, <laughs> I'm also saying that because I think Inari will have something next year. Yeah, but I'm saying like they need let's retire them for like six months, six <laughs> six to eight months. Let's let's just no Inari. They're in their index option. They're not legal anymore. There's not many of them. They've been busy. They need a nap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they've been. Yeah, have you seen how many tournaments they're at? There's there's like three of them, and they're all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> they're busy recruiting. It's 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 so many people are playing it. It should be big enough to be its own faction now. I, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> Let's see. Kill Team. Kill Team has more coming. This surprises no one. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes, Miniatures Team make the concept for models, and when it's fleshed out and the model is designed, then they send it to the rules team to make the rules for. So that's interesting that the rules team doesn't say, we need you to make a model for uh, like a war boss on a trike. We want to have a war boss on a trike. Make us a model for one. It's more like the Miniatures Team's like, you know what would be really cool? A war boss on a giant trike. I actually like this method of development because you can see the creativity in the models and then they just have to make rules to match. Yeah, it kind of follows the rule of cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Miniatures team always comes first. Design team doesn't really present to miniatures team usually. So, quote, like, for example, no, no, orcs need a flying thing. Make a model for that. Right. Uh, since the rules designers work maybe a year or so in advance, they sometimes get confused on rules because they're not going to be implemented for a few months to a year. And yeah, that could, especially as quick as the meta is changing, as much as they've been changing up the, the match play rule. I mean, even when you say like every six months they're changing up the match play rules significantly, it's hard to design a codex for changes that aren't going to exist by the time the codex comes out, which is why we get things like the Space Wolf issue or, um, or, or you design things for a codex and then a fact hits and then suddenly the stuff in your codex is doesn't work in. Right. Or like the Imperial Knights thing where it's like, oh, wait, we need to fix the CP that's given away for these uh, factions or like if you build a certain way. Uh, the codex does. Let's see. Robin Credis will have a column in future White Dwarfs to explain white ways you can play, etc. The codex design team is led by Robin Credis and the seminar person uh, who the the reporter couldn't remember his name. Also on the team was James Gallagher and a few new guys. Primarchs and other similar big models. They won't design Primarch like models for each army. They'll just keep making cool models. If it happens to be a Lord of War size, then sure they get a Lord of War. 
Primarchs will be done rarely to keep the feel that they're special. So it's we're not going to get the it's time for this co- this this Primarch. You know, we we always like well, okay, so who's the next loyalist Primarch? Who's the next uh, Chaos Primarch? That is not the case. They just design what fits right for what they're doing, what seems cool. I still have a tier then. Let's see. We should totally do an Angron soon was the direct quote from the seminar person. Uh, another direct quote is Sanguinius looks pretty dead to me. <laughs> uh, whichever Primarch mini they want to make next is whichever one they will want to that they'll make. So it, it's not like as much as my dreams are, well, they're doing Slanesh stuff next, so we should get Fulgrim coming out. It's going to be like, is Fulgrim what we want to put out because he's cool? Yeah. Then uh, see, and I'm I'm still hoping for Lehman. Sa- Sanguinius looks pretty dead. So zombie Sanguinius. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe next time for Halloween, zombie Sanguinius. <laughs> uh, let's see. And one miscellaneous interesting point: GW does keep an ear to the ground on online forums, indirectly and directly. They just don't really post much. It's hard to take suggestions from online because of how many good and bad ones there are. The orc daka 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 rule was actually thought up by the design team before it was also suggested online. So so that's some interesting things to come out of the seminar. Uh, other notes, uh, stuff that's coming out uh, is like there's the Wrath and Rapture box that's coming that has uh, Slanesh and Corn has new models for Flesh Hounds and Karanak, as well as the new Fiends, and a new Herald of Slanesh, which is playing a harp made of someone's sinews. Yeah, it's pretty gross and, and awesome, and and thereby awesome. Yeah, and uh, it, the, the pictures of the box confirm that it has a booklet of 40k rules for these units as well. So it's not just a Age of Sigmar thing, which means we might be getting updated rules for fiends. That would be kind of good because I don't really like them as they are now. Right. So we, well, and obviously, like I think the what I saw and the, I saw this on Spiky Bits uh, was that uh, the um, the herald is called an infernal enchantress, so she's a name basically not exactly. Okay, so right. kind of like following character. the other yeah, or like the, the mask. Well, either she's well, maybe not the mask, but like the way like there's the change caster and the flux bringer, you know, like all yeah. the different name, like depending on what they're doing, different heralds of Nurgle or Zinch or Corn are named. This one may be kind of the same thing, not a unique character, but but specific and different from just a generic herald. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully she'll have her own, uh, data sheet as well. And she's also on the, uh, the base that only, as far as I know, uh, Evrain and the, uh, Skitari Ranger with the, with the Arquebus has that kind of long oval one. That, that little, that the, like little, little bitty oval. Um, yeah. that was also the same oval base that came with the, um, Seekers of Slanesh when I ordered them for the Okay, so that's the, the new, the new, uh, cavalry. It seems small to cavalry. be that. Size. Okay. So, I think, oh, and there's also, like, there's a new Titan coming out from Forge World for those people that can afford those kinds of things. I am not one of them. It's got a gigantic gun on the back, but it's not as big as, like, the, it's somewhere between a Reaver and a Warlord in size. Yeah. Which, I mean, Reavers are already big. Warlords are huge. This thing is moderately large. <laughs> moderately huge. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming down the pipe. I'm, I'm actually, of all the things in there besides Chapter Proved, which I'm excited because rules for the eight and a sister's codex, um, I'm really most excited for the Urban Conquest book. 
I kind of want to see what they do with the campaign with that. I imagine there's terrain in there as well, because it would be kind of weird to have a city fight box. Yeah, big box set without a city fight terrain in it. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's like more of that terrain that came in the kill team box. Yes, yes please. please. More. I mean, I know they have the standalone kits for that, but yeah, anything that will get me more of that terrain is good. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited what they do with the, the campaign system there because it, it's an interesting alternative to like the planetary empire system which use the plastic tiles which i still want to get mine painted and used sometime yeah we, we talked numerous times about trying to do a campaign of that and it's never just, did we've never pulled like it's in my closet it's in my closet of shame ready to be painted like i have all the pieces like clipped off sprues and ready to go i just i've had Mine's sitting right over there yeah, on the bottom I've, shelf yeah see so we, we both have shelves of shame uh but uh, yeah wait, wait that can't be a self of shame it has old codexes there too uh, there could be shame involved. I mean, <laughs> is it seventh edition? There could be shame involved. Uh, yeah. Either seventh, sixth, or yeah, I don't know if I have too many. F- yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Shame and infamy. Inf- infamy. But yeah. So, I'm, I'm, that's the one I'm most excited for. Uh, the, the Vigilist campaign book seems interesting. I'm hoping it's as good as they, as they promise. I'm curious to see what the rules are going to be in that. Yeah, they've just got a. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a new noise marine coming too. A ah yeah. Yes, there's a. It's a noise marine that is a recreation of the first noise marine with like the guitar with the bolter built into the body and all. They've got it painted in like all the crazy like '80s rock hairband colors. See, I, and the I kinda, platform like the boots. Plat- yeah, it would be cool if they could do a whole band of that. Well, I mean, I imagine. I mean, it's going to be one standalone model, but you know, somebody's going to buy like five of them and customize them up. Yeah, get a singer, a keyboard, a, a drummer be the vehicle. Yeah, why should the goth rockers <laughs> get to have all the fun, right? right? exactly. <laughs> goth rockers who don't have rules in the new codex, sadly. Yeah. Womp womp. I, and I don't even think they're in the index, are they? No. Uh, no. No, they're just uh, just amusing models to have. Ah, but anyway, so that's news and new releases. As far as Midwest Conquest news, signups are continuing for... The for all the events we have at Midwest Conquest, we've actually got a fair number already signed up for the friendly. Uh, we haven't discussed what happens if we fill up before the GT fills up. <laughs> I'm hoping we don't have to cannibalize seats from the GT to fill it, but you know, we'll just see what demand looks like. Uh, but we'll, I mean, it's not full up yet, and you've got one month before the end of the year when our prices start to go up for that. So definitely check that out. And remember, if you're looking for more of a narrative 30k event, we, there's also a horse heresy event besides the GT and the friendly. So we've got a lot of stuff available to check out. So we encourage you to sign up early, save yourself about 10 20 bucks, depending on what you're doing. So you can find all the details from that at midwestconquest.com. You can register for the events and then you buy your actual tickets at undercongaming.com. Uh, and you can find all the details there on what you need to do, what you need to fill out. Uh, if you have not, if you've purchased a ticket for one, uh, remember to also fill out the form on the Midwest Conquest page just so we've got like your name, email address, and what faction you're intending to play. Although, remember, faction is not like binding or anything. You're not restricted to that. We just kind of want to get a feel for what people are going to be bringing. Just, you know, get a feel what the, what the meta looks like. And you know, although, who knows, in six, m- <laughs> in five, six months when this actually goes on, could be wildly different. Yeah, because we'll probably have will be a chapter approved and probably goes. one major FAQ. And uh, at least one new codex, because if Gene Stealer 
everything points to Gene Steeler cults coming like early 2019. Uh, sisters rumor, current rumor is like October, November for the finalized codex. Oh, wow. I was expecting them like around May. Well, yeah, but, uh, Remember, there's also like a whole model line that they're releasing oh, alongside of it. Fair enough. Uh, my guess is that the beta codex is not going to have any new units, like anything that doesn't ex- have an existing right. model for it. Uh, but it'll be a fully playable, like it'll be full featured codex. It just won't have like any of the fluff sections. And there may be new stuff that comes down the pipe between now and, and whenever it's released. But uh, we know it's coming and at least we'll have updated rules, which I'm, I'm good with. All right, from there, we're going to transition over to your listener mail. As always, all these letters are written by you, the listeners. And if you have a letter you'd like us to read on the air or a list you'd like us to look at, uh, we'll uh, tell you how you can get that to us at the end of the segment. So our first one is from William. Hey, guys, I just finished listening to episode 183, and I took your suggestion and grabbed the Master's Airbrush bundle you recommended. I'm not normally superstitious, but I literally watched it go to a 20% off lightning deal between viewing the page and adding it to my cart, so that seemed like a good sign. I look forward to giving it a whirl. Wish me luck. In what epi- or in that episode, you and Alex were talking briefly about varnishing with an airbrush, which I would like to know a bit more about, specifically not having the smell permeate. I have used sprays and brush-on varnish, and smell has been a problem. So if you could talk more specifically about the, what types and brands of airbrush varnish are less pungent, that would be awesome. Thank you for the quality content and recommendations. I always look forward to your episodes. Also, a big thanks for having great radio. Or also, a big thanks for having great audio quality. I can't tell you how many podcasts are basically unlistenable because of hosts banging on paint pots, chewing what I can only assume is an everlasting gobstopper, lip smacking, heavy breathing, rolling dice in what seems to be a cookie sheet, rearranging furniture, light com- carpentry, and arc welding, all on an eighty speaker phone. <laughs> Wow. At, at least that's what it sounds like when you try to have them playing right in your ear. I really appreciate what up or setup or editing you use to get a high level of sound quality. It really makes a difference when you're listening for two or more hours. Well, thank you, William. We do really try to, to put some effort into our sound quality and having it as good a recording quality as we can. Uh, which is one of the reasons why we really appreciate our patrons for helping us be able to keep our equipment up to date and improve what we're doing. So, uh, and again, for our patron, we'll tell you more about that at the end of the segment as well. As far as your question about airbrushing with, or doing an airbrushed varnish, uh, really the, the brand I would recommend is Vallejo because they have an acrylic airbrush varnish. Yeah. Uh, they actually have like two or three kinds. There's like one, one that's more geared towards like mecha models like Gundam, gu- you know, gunpla kits. But they also have just like uh, varieties of like matte gloss and satin varnishes. Uh, they're just in like the normal 60 mil uh, dropper bottles that all of Viejo's paints come in. They are perfectly airbrushable. Uh, they're, you basically just pour, put them in your airbrush, thin them down. I'm trying to remember my formula. It's usually about like six or seven drops of thinner to uh, just help them because it's too thick by itself to get to to go through the airbrush easily but with about try and remember the formula off the top of my head Uh, you can listen to our coverage of uh, the lvo uh, friendly uh, our lvo episode we i'd mentioned the formula i use i think it's a a drop for every seven drops of varnish something like that i may be off on that maybe every five but i just thin the thin it a little bit um, when you spray it, it's going to go clear. It'll make the model look, I, I use matte varnish myself cause I prefer the flatter look. I know some people like gloss varnishes, uh, 
because they're a little bit hardier and then we'll do a matte varnish on top of that. That's totally fine. It's up to you, whatever works best for you. But yeah, I just spray that on like with the matte varnish, the models will look a little, they'll look shiny and wet for a little bit. Um, they, depending on how heavy you hit it, they might pick up a little bit of a milky sheen because when you, when you look at the varnish, it's like, uh, it, it's like thick white. It almost looks like Elmer's glue. It's not quite that thick, but it's, it's that same rough color. Uh, but that will dry and it'll give you a nice flat coverage, uh, especially with the matte varnish. It's one of the t- tips that uh, Alex taught me for hiding, uh, the borders of transfers. So like you apply a transfer, normally it looks like you'll see the line around where you, where the water transfer was cut out of the paper. Um, with, uh, you put down, uh, like brush on some hard coat or gloss varnish first, put your model on, then you spray the, uh, flat, the matte varnish over it. And it just looks like it was painted directly on the model. It, it's really good. But yeah, I use that for, for all my, all my models. Uh, it doesn't really have an appreciable smell. Of course, I'm also wearing a, uh, a, ventilator mask the whole time I'm airbrushing because I'm airbrushing inside a garage but it's n- it, there's no fume like chemical fumes really because it's just uh it's just a water-based acrylic resin so it that one should be fine but yeah I know like spraying dull coat and stuff like that where it's propellant driven can have definite definite fumes uh this does not have that at all and you can also brush this stuff on if you need to but you will generally pick up a little br- little bit of brush texture if you're not careful so airbrushing it is perfect but yeah viejo viejo varnishes they're all available in like so you can buy them on amazon they're great and that's what i recommend using all right next up from john baker right just uh, hey guys my favorite masking for airbrush is silly putty way better or easier than fitting a piece of paper in to stop overspray and he sent us a picture of a of a Lehman Russ he painted, and he's like, example, he paints it totally in tan, then he put adds putty to basically create like a camo pattern, and then sprayed green over the top of that, and then peeled off the putty, and you get, you know, the nice kind of organic, roundy shapes of, uh, you know, for camo. And that's definitely a great way to do it. Uh, mainly when I was talking about using paper to stop oversprays, when like, for example, if I've got an arm that's going over the body, and I want to paint the arm a slightly different color, I would just slide paper behind the arm so I wouldn't spray onto the che- like onto the torso. Right, yeah, like big parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like if I was going to do a pattern or like if I just wanted to mask a particular small area, yeah, pu- doing a putty like that. Putty or I I've used like poster tack. Yeah, t- sticky same, tack, same yeah. basic. Yeah, just stretch. Yeah, just kind of yeah. soften it up a bit, place it over. You want to be careful not to use anything that's too adhesive because it could peel off the other paint. Right. So just just be careful when you use silly putty is pretty safe to use. It should yeah. yeah that shouldn't peel off any any paint. And again, just don't press it on real hard either. Yeah. Yeah. And you may even like after you do your base color, spray a varnish onto it because uh, as right. Alex has mentioned, that kind of gives you a save state. Yeah. So like it also, you know, it protects your paint. So like spray on a varnish and then, and again, use a matte or a satin varnish. You really won't, it won't change up the, the tooth or texture of your paint too much. And you can just paint right on top of that and just, you can have layers going all the way down. So that's just one, one way to do it. But yeah, Silly Putty works, works great for, for doing masking of small areas as well. 
Next up from Drew Davenport. Drew writes, Hey, preferred enemies, it's me again. Only this time I have actual questions for you guys this time instead of asking silly aesthetic ones. Well, okay, one silly one later. But first, the good ones. My question is pertaining to the rule of three, wondering what exactly classifies as a different data sheet. My confusion comes from listening to the Dark Angels Codex review about the El- the Osriel Hellblaster brick. I started wondering if I can make two separate bricks with Dark Angels and Ultramarines Hellblasters. Would the Dark Angel Hellblaster datasheet be different than the Space Marine datasheet because they are from different codex I? Codexes, Codex E, which I think the official GW version is Codexes. But uh, Or are they the same just because they are Hellblasters? Or, and would Space Wolves be a different case since they use a different terminology, pack leaders instead of sergeants? So I'll answer that one first. As far as I understand, they are considered different data sheets. They have different keywords. Yeah. And in fact, in the uh, most recent big FAQ, they address the issue of demon princes. There is a demon prince yeah. coda or a demon prince entry in like Chaos Space Marines and Thousand Suns and Death Guard, although I think the Death Guard one is specifically Demon Prince of Nurgle. Uh, and then, of course, the Chaos Demons Codex. And like, are these considered the same data sheet? And the official answer was no, they are not the same data sheet. So you can have three three demon princes from one codex, three demon princes from another, and three demon princes from a third. They don't overlap. And so I would say a Dark Angels Hellblaster and a Ultramarines Hellblaster are also two different data sheets from two different codexes, especially because they have a different set of keywords. Yeah. Because uh, you can't take a Dark Angels keyword inside the Space Marines codex. I mean, well, you could, but it would have no no rules benefit. Uh so yeah, you could absolutely to do two different hell hellblaster bricks, although uh you wouldn't be able to use like the Ultramarines one wouldn't get access to weapons of the weapons of the Dark Age, which that's one of the great great things about the Azrael brick. Right. Or Azrael's Invulnerable. In, invulnerable. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, but yes, you absolutely could. They are considered. I would say they're considered different uh, data sheets because they are from different different codexes entirely. Uh, my second question is: Where is a good place to start getting into bigger events here in the Midwest or near enough to not be too expensive to travel and stay? I won't be able to play at Midwest Conquest since I will be helping or re- and helping with running the X Wing tables. And I really don't know when and where these events are going to be. And listening to the Renegade Open episode has made me really want to hop in. Any help or advice would be greatly appreciated. Fortunately, in the Kansas City area alone, we're starting to have more and more events pop up. In fact, at the end of January, I believe it's actually January 29th and 30th, there's the New Year's Knockout that's going to be taking place up the Geekery, which I think is up in Mission. Uh, that's actually being run by some of our friends from the Clobbering Time uh, KC group. Uh, but that's gonna, and that one's going to be like a twenty five hundred point event. So oh they're they're kind of doing it our boys style, right? That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's that one there. Um, obviously, there's Midwest Conquest, but if you're running events there, that's a little bit tricky to do. Uh, there's also um, there's the Show Me Showdown, which takes place in North KC. Our friend Nathan Martin runs that. That one was a great event. Um, uh, there's, uh, and, uh, there's more and more event. Like, if you get onto the, if you're on the Mo- Mocan Warhammer 40k site or group, the Mocan Warhammer 40k group on Facebook, there's a number of events around the area. Uh, Geekery has a lot of events coming, you know, lately. They've got a very active play group up there and they've actually expanded now to have the space. Like, 
they're going to be running like a, almost a GT scale event. You know, the New Year's Knockout is going to be at the Geekery, so they've expanded their play area enough to be able to hold that okay, many. That's impressive. That is, yeah. But there's also events like you can work up to playing in tournaments. Uh, so there's events at the Geekery. There's regular tournaments down at Peculiar Game and Hobby. Uh, they've got the hero- the heroic morale group down there runs events. Uh, I'm probably going to, going to end my hiatus from running events and start running. Uh, events at Pulp Fiction, although it'll probably be more of the um, more friendly, casual game themed. But if you're looking to play in like a like more of a hardcore tournament, Geekery would definitely be one of the places to look. Uh, and like I said, the Heroic Morale Group they run a bunch of stuff down in Peculiar. There's there's lots of events in the area. There's event uh, there's gaming I mean, out at Tabletop still. And then if you're going to travel and you, and you and not travel far, but travel just like for a weekend, yeah. Um, Omaha Bug Eater. Yeah, Bug Eater, which is the week I think after. Yeah, that's the only downside of it. <laughs> yeah, it's the week at well, it's the week after Midwest Conquest. So if yeah. you don't if you can't play at Midwest Conquest but you want to play in a larger event, Bug Eater is definitely a good one. Wichita? Yeah, Wichita for the Flying Monkeys, which is in June. Uh, late late June. Uh, yeah, Oak, yeah, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. All these are within about 3 hours yeah. drive. Uh yeah, Bartlesville. Iron, 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 yeah, Halo. Iron Halo is a great event. Um, if you don't mind driving out to, you know, Columbia. Columbia and St. Louis. Yeah. Col- yeah. St. Louis has Siege World, which was fantastic. That's in August. Uh, November has the, uh, Midmo Maelstrom, which they had their first year this year. We've attended all of these events in some way or other. Uh, they're all great events. So if you don't, it, you know, if you want to stay just in KC, there's plenty of, of events right here. But if you start spreading out into the further mid, you know, further Midwest for like weekend travel for, yeah, for weekend travel, there's lots of good events. Uh, again, most of these are going to be, you know, competitive focus. They are going to be, you know, focusing more on match play, but like siege world has a fantastic apocalypse game. Uh, there's usually a lot of these events usually have like a night joust or a kill team component. Flying monkey has a bunch of different stuff going on. They've really expanded into a, a big gaming convention. So, Lots of options that you can try out uh, without getting too far too far afield. But uh, if you're looking just in your own back home, backyard, I would say you know look at the look at the events that like Geekery and Peculiar Game and Hobby. Those would be the ones I would recommend for the KC area. Obviously, if you're outside the KC area, this doesn't necessarily help you a whole lot. But look on you know for for everyone out there, if look for like go to your local game stores. Ask anybody who like check to see if there's any Facebook groups for people running events in your area. Get on those groups and just see what's out there. And for my last trick, I really want to hear your opinions on Games Workshop's least favorite faction, the Squats. What Squats? <laughs> Ever since I've seen Lord of the Rings and played D&D, dwarves have been my favorite fantasy race. Why do people hate the space dwarves so much that they retconned them out of existence? Is there a way I can play a squad army in the modern era that isn't going onto eBay and spending a lot of money per model just blindly building something? I hear you guys joke about them every now and then and poke fun at them. I just wanted to hear conversations from you guys. Thank you for all the time you guys put into the podcast and share your passion passion for this hobby. Keep up the good work, Drew. I don't think it's that people hate the squats. I think it's the the feel, the general look and feel of 40k has changed since the days of first and second edition. Because I remember like squats being a big thing in second edition when Dennis and I first got into the game. And over time, they've kind of moved away from the more I don't want to say silly necessarily, but they, they've moved away from the silly. They have definitely moved away from the silly, and we'll see some of that in the Orc Codex as we read about it. But they've kind of moved away from that. It's fantasy in space feel 
they they didn't want it to just feel like it was Warhammer Fantasy, but with like ray guns and spacesuits. Right. right. They, they've really moved into sci-fi. Right. It's it's full on sci-fi, and for what they wanted to do, I don't think the idea of space dwarfs with space clans and space axes as space miners really it didn't quite suit what they wanted feel you know the feel of the game to be. And I I, I don't want to say that all their stuff has been taken, but higher toughness that's kind of orcs are take taking that good and melee orcs are taking that good vehicles lots of groups so i just think their their niche was space kind of, miners well, the gene stealer cults yes. are, are space miners now yeah and i mean they kind of in a i'll use air quotes in a way got absorbed into um guard yeah and they said and that's how kind of gw spun it was well if you want them just just proxy them as part of your guard yeah and just call them humans from a super dense gravity world. Yeah, and then they they yeah there was the talk of like well the squats got like the squat home world got eaten by Tyranids and that's why they're the squats as a as a faction with its own unique culture is no longer. Although I don't even think they've necessarily come out and said that anytime recently. They have said it unofficially. Yeah, but not recently. Yeah, it, that was like what 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, now squats still do exist. We got a squat uh, Necromunda mercenary or bounty hunter. Uh, which you can actually get that model from Forge World. So squats are in the game. You know, they haven't completely removed them. Um, if you want to build a squat army, yes, you're going to have to proxy it into some other faction, whether that's Space Marines, Guard. I've even seen somebody uh, do a squats uh, Grey Knights army. I think they can match orcs pretty well, too. Yeah, I mean, you could play, the, play them as orcs if you wanted to. Yeah, And, I mean... Mantic makes a nice line of they're called Forge Fathers. Yeah, that are space dwarves. space dwarves. Yeah, yeah, you can buy those models. Their Mantic stuff is relatively inexpensive. Yeah, and they have stuff like uh, if I remember right, they have like quad guns and things like that. So you could easily run a Space Marine army out of Forge Fathers. Right, and uh, it would it would work just fine. And the models look not quite as detailed as as Citadel stuff, but. It's still, they're, they're still good models. They're still good models. Um, you could mix in some of the Caradron Overlord stuff from Age of Sigmar if you wanted. That's yeah. another yeah. kind of steampunk mechano dwarves. You could run that as a little bit of anything if you wanted. They even have like, I mean, you could replace the balloons on their backs and their jump troops with like jetpacks if you wanted. Uh, so there, you've got options out there for doing a a space dwarf army, but it's going to be its own faction, but you can get all this stuff in plastic. It's not too bad. And then I'll say for me, GW, if you're listening, I would still love slash hate if you did bring squats back because I'm kind of interested in them too, even though my wallet would not be, but I, I love what they did with them in fantasy. I love how the dwarves have, or the, the steampunks, not sky priority, but all the airships like that. And I'm just trying to envision what that type of style would look like in sci-fi. Mm hmm. And see what you guys can maybe throw together. Well, and I remember the old squat line had stuff like uh, they had a a big biker. Gu- they had bikers. They had uh, they had their own Terminator, like the ancestor armor, which was yeah. basically their Terminators. The, if I remember, like even in Epic, they had like a big train that had like a giant cannon on it as a vehicle, and they did do airships and things like that at the time. And like, I, didn't they have like the kind of drill like? Not a drop pod. Drop. Not a drop pod. Drop pod. Yeah, I think like, they're, that's, they were kind of the ones that introduced like the termite. Yeah, yeah, which you can get from G or from Forge World now as like a, 
I th- I can't remember if it's Mechanicus or Space Marine thing at this point. But yeah, the, I mean, that would be another uh, Mechanicus running uh, squats yeah. as Mechanicus would be interesting because they're all mechanics and so you you could do that. Mechanics who are building robots. I think yeah. that that'd be a fun way. That'd to actually be cool. And that that's one where you could use like the Caradron models as your steampunk steampunk ro- you know bio you know like uh bionic uh space dwarfs. So I mean, you've got options. You you've got a lot of things you can do and there are models out there that will let you do them. You could even take just like the standard fantasy uh dwarves in armor and replace their some of their weapons, you know, do uh bolt pistols and instead of shields or something like that, you know, depending on, on how the bits work out. Yeah. Or, oh, hell, you could take... If you wanted to be just, like, have really wild conversion, do, like, orc bodies and swap swap in dwarf heads or something like that. I mean, there are there would be ways to do it and have it, you know, depending on what faction you wanted to, to proxy him from. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the squats. I just don't think it necessarily fits what GW's doing and... I don't know if they'd want to necessarily introduce them as a faction at this point, but there's no reason why you couldn't have an army with those models. Just if you were going to take them to a competitive event, you'd have to send like send pictures of your army to the TO and say, "Hey, I'm running a squats army. Would you be, you know, it is would you accept this army at your you know, at your event and kind of list like this unit is this, unit is this, make sure everything's WYSIWYG and decently converted." With a good army like that, like if it's painted well, that could be that could get you a yeah. really good hobby score too. Yeah, because that 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 would be really cool. Nobody would be expecting to see something like that. You know, and and GW, hey, maybe uh, squats kill team. Yeah, that's a, definitely a way that, you could introduce could just a few models. Just, yeah, just kind of bring them back a little bit, see how that's or hey, or hey, that next rogue trader book book they do hey throw a squat or two into the into that kill team just yeah. you know one or two models yeah. or the next blackstone fortress expansion they've already said right. they're going to be expansions for blackstone fortress oh yeah have a squat character people will and and then j- gate kind of like what they did with uh you know they put out celestine they one of the reasons they put celestine out was to kind of gauge what's the interest in sisters players having a plastic model <laughs> I know it's a stupid question. <laughs> right. It was a stupid question, but it was, that's how they asked it. Right. They, they wanted to say like is this model going to sell enough to make it worth our while to redesign an entire line right. of Right. I mean it, it's the internet, so you kind of have to take you know, that, all that we'll buy the hell out of Sisters of Battle like you, you know, let's see like, sales let's, numbers. Let's yeah. let's see like this is money. V- this is like wallets. a business. You still have to kind of you know, you got to prove to the business that this, yeah. So put a put a couple of squat models out there in plastic and let people and see what happens and see if it does take off. So they could still come back, but no, I, we tease because the whole I, there's a long running joke on the internet. We didn't create it by any means that any time you mentioned the, that there was a timer on when they're going to release squats, and every time the name squats was mentioned, it would be set back a decade. <laughs> So yeah. so yeah no that's that wasn't our joke we just ran with it but uh, right and then and then GW kept with it and, and then <laughs> they released the Necromunda model and for like, Forge World and, and the, clock the clock broke yeah so they're like well see now we did one so, so now we don't know what the clock is or if they fixed the clock or no, what's going on no the other two the other two clocks were Plastic Sisters of Battle which has been officially retired because of Celestine 
Yeah. And of course we know they're pl- So the the last clock is the plastic thunderhawk. Well, you you don't know if they fixed a clock though. Well, there they may be fix it and put it back up there. Just like Richard fixes arms. Yeah, Richard is currently doing surgery on uh, a Redemptor Dread that Dennis built the arms backwards on. No, I don't. Th- I think they were just trimmed weird. Okay. All right. Now it looks all better. That's because Richard is our model master. Which is why I wanted to ask him before I did anything. <laughs> right. They fit together really snug anyway. So, like, yeah, a little bit of cleaning up here and there. And it they went together. All right, next one is from Kenny Lyle, which is another Casey native. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now, and kudos for putting out a great product. I couldn't remember the episode where you talked about commission painters and your recommendations, which, gosh, that was years and years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I'm local to KC and would love to know who you guys suggest or know that's trusted and does great work. Thanks in advance, gentlemen. Um, I don't know off the top of my head... Who all is accepting commissions right now? One place to check, though, there, just like we mentioned, the Mocan Warhammer 40k group, there's a Mocan Miniatures Painters group for people who paint miniatures in the Kansas City area. And, uh, so you can check there, see if anybody mentions doing commission work. Uh, I, I have a, a f- we, we know a couple of people who do commission work on occasion. I'm hesitant to name them because I don't know if they're currently taking commissions. But, uh, like, I've even done commission work for, for a couple of friends in the past, but I don't know if I would consider myself a commission painter and somebody who's going to, like, take on doing a whole army. Uh, but you can definitely ask around. Otherwise, there's a number of services online. Uh, Frontline Gaming offers, like, a pretty good mini painting service. Uh, uh, blue ta- There's Blue Table that yeah. does various, even, like, tiers of, Yeah, like, and, and most services and, do where they're like, right. yeah, like, if you just want the bait like i want three colors looking decent with some basic basing you'll pay this uh, whereas like you might want your character model to be a higher level or i just want this piece for display i don't even care to pay play with it paint right. it like at the very top level but right. it gets expensive fast i mean yeah. you can for a a medium sized army you can easily end up putting out like 750 to 1000 dollars and just yeah. in painting Yes, and I and I know a lot of them offer like just assembly as part of their services, and that's or, an extra charge, e- and and as an extra charge because it's more time that they have to spend. And, yeah, or even like conversions and whatnot. So. Yeah, but yeah, there's a number of uh, painting services online you can you can uh, you can use. But yeah, I, as far as anybody local to KC, uh, I would just ask around on the Mocan. Uh, miniature painters group and just say, Hey, is, I'm looking to get a, a 40 K army painted. Is there anybody I sh- who would be interested in doing uh commission work? Or maybe it's just on a couple of characters. Like there's a lot of people out there that might be willing to paint like a single character. Like I have a captain. I would like painted up really cool. There's, you know, there's a difference also between getting one model painted and getting an army painted. So keep that in mind as yeah. well. So, all right, next up from Austin Martin. We have a rules question. Austin writes, love the show, and I had something to ask. How do the following two rules interact? Harlequin's Mask, Silent Shroud, The Dances of Nightmares Made Flesh, Roll Two Dice and Discard the Lowest Result, and Nurgle Demons, Slobbity Bile Piper, Disease of Mirth, Roll Two Dice Instead of One and Discard the Highest Result. Do they roll three dice and discard the lowest and highest results? Do they roll four dice and discard the lowest and highest result? 
Does the player whose turn it is pick which rule to use and disregard the other? Most importantly, when playing against demons that can get models back on a roll of a one, the Harlequins player is looking to remove that die. So how does this interact? Thanks so much for clar- in advance for clarifying. So I've got Harlequins and Chaos Demons here so that we have the rules in their entirety before we consult the FAQs and such. So the Silent Shroud, which is, has this is their mask form rule. So subtract one from the leadership of char- from the leadership characteristic of enemy units while they're within six inches of any units from your army with this form. In addition, when your opponent takes a morale test for a unit that was within six inches of any units from your army with this form, they must roll two dice and discard the lowest result. And the Slobbity Biopiper, which is from Codex Chaos Demons, Disease and Mirth. Whenever a Nurgle Demon unit takes a morale test within six inches of any friendly Sloppity Biopipers, roll two dice instead of one and discard the highest result. In addition, each time a unit fails a morale test within six inches of any en- enemy Sloppity Biopipers, one additional model is removed from that unit. So, we have two rules that both impact making morale tests and basically have more or less opposite effects. Yep. So, as always, we'll check the FAQ. Wow, I don't know. I don't know if there's actually anything in any of the FAQs. That See, in in the past, if you've had two dice rolling things that kind of they would, conflicted, they just cancel each other out, and you'd end up just rolling one die and keeping the result. Right, but I want to be able to back that up right. with something. Okay, so I'm going to check the core rules because that's going to be the only place I think that we're going to find any possible hit because there's nothing in any of the FAQs or designer commentary that talks about when you have two rules that would directly conflict with each other like this, which is a shame. You'd think unless it's hidden in one of the faction FAQs, we haven't checked yet. So it's not going to fall under sequencing because this isn't a matter of two rules that are timed separately. Gosh, I'd hate to say that the rule is just, well, roll off and see which one takes it. Well, one thing I can definitely say is you wouldn't roll three or four dice because it doesn't say you roll an additional die. It says you roll two dice. These, those aren't cumulative. Yeah, strangely enough, I do not see any sign that anyone has actually answered this question before. Let's see, are there any other factions that have a similar effect? I don't think there are. I don't think, I mean, I've, there are plenty of factions that add penalties to leadership. Like Night Lords add penalties to leadership, but I don't think anybody, I'm trying to think of any other rules that have you rolled to take the highest. I mean, this is a situation that is not going to come up all that often, but since you can't have two dice rolled and drop the highest and drop the lowest at the same time, unfortunately, I don't have any rules to back this up, but Dennis, you had mentioned, like, in past, these kind of things would cancel out. Yeah, or the other thing is just pick one or the other and roll a d6, but I I think the way these interact, the interaction would be... In they, a way to cancel. Or, or the old, you know, whose turn it is. Yeah, has, takes precedent. Ta- their rule takes precedence. Which kind of falls under the, the timing rules a little bit. Right. That that would be the closest thing that ba- basically says if it's my turn, like if I'm the Nurgle player, it's my turn, Sloppity Biopiper takes precedence. If it's your turn, the Harlequin form takes precedence. Right. Which isn't a great answer. Yeah, I mean, technically the rule solution is roll off and decide what, which that, that's also not, you know, f- yeah. for friendly play, that's fine. For Matt, you know, like if this is a match play issue, you know, trying to actually adjudicate the rules. Yeah, I'm surprised that this hasn't, well, maybe I'm not surprised it hasn't been answered in FAQ. I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else 
who has a similar rule where you might be able to extrapolate an answer, but I don't know if there is. So, yeah, there's officially nothing in the FAQs that I've been able to find regarding this issue at all. So, really, it's going to come down to... There's a couple of options. One is it resolves depending on whose whose turn it is. Whose ability... Whose turn it is, their ability takes precedence over the other one. Which is not satisfying. It's the closest thing that would be based off of an actual book ruling because on... uh, uh, let's see, it's page four of the Battle Primer, which is, this is the page in the rules that would cover psychic phase. There's a sidebar that says sequencing. Uh, you'll have two or more rules to be resolved at the same time, normally at the start of the movement phase or before the battle begins when this happens during the game. The player's turn is chooses order. These things occur before or after the game. So basically, whoever's turn is chooses the orders that the powers resolve, which would technically mean who whose turn it is takes precedence. So the Nurgle player's ability would take precedence on the Nurgle turn, the Harlequin's you, player would take precedence. Right, you'd basically choose for my opponent's ability goes off, and then my ability goes off after it, completely rewriting and overriding the, right. the other role. So, But they, they don't really... Uh, keeping the highest or, key, or or keeping the lowest... There's not. It's not a timing issue. Right, yeah. it's not a timing thing. So if you ca- if you had them both, precedence wouldn't matter. You'd end up just discarding both of them, and there would be no die roll. Right. Uh, which so, but it, but you can't do both. So the rules change how the test is performed. Right. In the same way, and so I would see that whichever one it, it's kind of like a a magic stack thing yeah where like whatever the last one that you apply is what happens right yeah the the other option Since you can't literally do both right the other option would be to uh just have them cancel out right because uh, because you literally can't do both yeah, you can't roll two dice and drop the highest and drop the lowest. Well, you can, and then you pass because you don't roll to zero. You roll to zero, right? But you couldn't roll a one, so you wouldn't get your like demons regenerating right. everybody. I mean, you could theoretically say that, like, that's another interpretation. You literally do drop both the highest and lowest, and you roll a zero. Yep, and then however many you lose, like however many models you the lost, lost it, over your leadership, over your leadership is how many more you lose. Yeah, that would be the other. That could be another interpretation of yes, this, the, actually, the, like the die result is zero. It's, it'd be the one of the only cases where you can roll a zero, right? Which is also not a great answer. It's a yes, also not a great answer. Like, there's no real good answer to this aside from I think the powers literally cancel each other out and you just roll normal morale. Right. I think that's the best, like, result. I think that's the best answer. Yeah, that's that's the best answer. It's the one that I can't absolutely can't back up with any other rulings. Yeah. But I, if, I was, if I was adjudicating it as a TO, it's the one that has the, le- the least shenanigans involved of, like, weird timing. Right. It's the one that breaks the morale test the least. Yeah. Because, again, there's no case in the game where you can roll a zero. So why should we introduce one now? Yeah. So, yeah, again, I do not have, we do not have a 40, like, a, a, a ruling, an official ruling we can point to and say, aha, that's what you do. So 
barring rolling off and deciding who takes precedence, which would be the other, that would be the other one that would be backed up by the book is yeah. you can't agree roll roll off whoever rolls higher that's the one that takes effect right which again for especially for match play is not like a great solution no for for cat for friendly for, play for na- friendly play that would work as well yeah but otherwise I would just say these two rules cancel out because you literally cannot do both and have and have a test result so so it makes the sloppity bile piper the one unit that can make that one Harlequin mask not work if they're within six inches of each other. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, GW, we need an FAQ on that in the next big FAQ because there will be more effects like this that interact, I imagine. So yeah. so that's something that will need to be addressed. Yeah, I am kind of surprised that there isn't any right. already I, like this. Yeah, I would have figured that something like this where you have two abilities that cancel each other out effectively but don't really... So, uh, so yeah, that's how that's how I would rule it. Is the best answer is they cancel each other out. I mean, I don't know if if maybe going back to like that, like the old fix in seventh edition was just errating those rules to rather than say roll two die, roll an, roll an additional. I die. think that would be the I think that would be the best rule, the the best way to fix it, because then you don't have to say. In case you come up with an event, you know, or right. like, yeah, it, it's clearly spelled in the rules. Although then it would get messy because in this case you'd roll four dice and discard the. No, you'd roll three. You'd, you'd roll, roll three. three. Oh, because but Cause each because if each one said roll an additional die, right, right, right. Okay, you'd I was thinking you rolled two dice to start. Test, right, and, and then, then you'd yeah. roll one additional. For some reason, for I was thinking you rolled two. Rolls. Right, so yeah, roll three and dice. Keep the right. middle result. Yeah, and only the Nurgle player cares. Right. Yeah, only the Nurgle player really <laughs> needs to to worry about it. So the Nurgle player rolls three dice, drops the highest, and drops the lowest, and takes whatever's in the middle. Yep. Which could still be a one if you rolled, like, three ones. <laughs> or three, like, two ones and a two. You could still get the one. Yep. So that would be... But you would require rewriting those rules to be explicitly, say, roll an additional die. Which would... Yeah, you're right. That would be the best, the best possible fix. Right. I think so. All right, next up from, and this is a Norwegian name. I'm going to try not to screw it up, but that's kind of my thing. Uh, Joachim Angel Svensten writes, Hi, Prenemies. Been listening for about two years now and gotten through your backlog, so now I'm counting days for your next episode. My favorite hobby podcast out there, so please do not stop. Well, no plans right now. Yep. We'll, we'll keep on going through technical difficulties and, and weird editing issues. Haven't stopped us yet. Not stopping now. Uh, my question to my question, I would really like to see your armies that I hear about on the podcast. Is it possible to make albums here on Facebook for each of your armies? Be nice to see what you have done. Keep up the good work and greetings from Norway. Uh, we can definitely do that. Uh, oh man, the pressure. Uh, well, usually, <laughs> we usually have pictures of them like when we're going to events. Yeah. I actually didn't manage to get a picture of my orc army when we went to Renegade. I should have done that. So, I mean, we could definitely set up some... If you want to see our armies, we could definitely set up... Uh, if, if you don't mind um, Space Wolf gray pl- um, color and black color, because that's what my most of my Death Watch and Space Wolves look like right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll ignore Dennis's armies for it, except for the Slanesh Demons one and your Eldar. Your Eldar are painted. Yeah, for the, the Harlequins part. are halfway painted. Yeah, so I mean, there's stuff that we, we do have, and yeah, I but we can put together albums, absolutely. I know people want to see it, like, again, we've had, like, I've had pictures of my Nurgle army and my Tau and my sister's armies on there, but I don't think I've ever collected them and like, this is Rob's armies. Right, yeah. I've done a few pictures here and there of, like, 
specific models that I've worked yeah. on. But like, yeah, no, not really ever done like the whole models army shots. Yeah. So, so yeah, we can definitely we can definitely do that if you want to see him. He said, yeah, keep up the good work and greetings from Norway. Uh, next one, another Scandinavian name. Uh, two in a row. Again, hoping I don't sc- screw this up. Yeppe Kroll Megalmos. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. Your English is way better than my Norwegian or Swedish. Uh, hello, you fine gentlemen of preferred enemies. I was hoping you could review my list of power-armored metahumans and perhaps suggest a unit or two I might add for diversity. I would like to keep the list pure Primaris, but was also considering getting a pair of armored your warglaives. What do you think? My goal is to have 2,000 points and some flexibility in my collection so I don't have to play with the same exact army list every battle. I've attached my army list both in the text and battle scribe format for your convenience. Best regards and thanks for the amazing podcast. Yepe. I'm not going to try to read the rest of the name again because it will be bad. Um, so... One one thing I'm just going to say right out the bat, it is hard to do variety with Primaris Army because Primaris have so few the, options. Right. And technically, you've already kind of broken off from it because... Okay, so here's his, his army. It's He's got a battalion with a Captain in Gravis armor with the Bolt Storm Gauntlet and the Power Sword, a chap, Primaris Chaplain and Primaris Librarian, an Intercessor Squad, two Scout Squads, one with sniper rifles, one with... Uh, Bolt guns, heavy bolter, and one shotgun. He's got a Contemptor Dread and a regular Dreadnought, which, to make this truly Primaris, you'd want to replace the one or both of those with Redemptors. Yeah. Um, an Inceptor Squad, two Hellblaster Squads, uh, all with Plasma Incinerators, and the two Five-Man Squads, a Predator, and then as a Super Heavy Auxiliary, he has Gulliman. And this all comes to about 1957 points. So you actually have more points to play with, you're going to have to, if you want to add a pair of uh, Armager Warglaives, which are about 165 a piece, I think, with like a little bit more if you use Meltaguns rather than Stubbers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're about like 165. So you'd have to clear out about 320, 330 points um, to fit those. And so you'd actually have to clear it, yeah, about 270 since you've got about 40 points to play with. And I'll also toss out if going for pure Primaris, what it'd be the repulsor tank over the predator. Yeah, except the repulsor is stupid it's expensive. Really it's expensive. only what six hundred points. No, it's not that bad, but it, it's bad. I know it's full. It's, it is full of gun. I mean, it's it's made of way more gun than the predator. Yeah, and and that's a triple uh, or a quad, actually it's a quad las predator because it's got one a twin las cannon turret and two las cannon sponsons. So, I mean, that, that's at 192 points, whereas the repulsor, like the base repulsor is 210 before you add any of the All guns. All the guns. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a land raider. Yeah. It's effectively a land raider. If you're going to go for pure, you know, trying to go for pure Primaris, uh, which is, is hard because you do give up a lot of flexibility. Uh, the, the problem I'm seeing with this list is I don't really see a lot of flexibility as far as unit options. And the question seems to be more like have some flexibility in your collection, which goes beyond army list. Right. And of course I'm assuming if you've got Gilliman, you're running everything as ultramarines, which you should. Yeah. Chapter selection is ultramarine. Well, that's for the super heavy auxiliary, but the battalion should also be preferably ultramarines. I'd say the scouts. I mean, you need to have three troop units. You could do that with three intercessor units. One of the, 
I mean, scouts are good. Don't get me wrong. And I see a lot of lists that, that lean heavily on scouts because, although they go even cheaper than this, because like the like the camo cloaks and sniper rifles add up really fast. I see a lot of squads. They're just like five bolter scouts or five yeah. shotgun scouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pure primaris and flexibility don't necessarily go go together. Because like, especially like I drop, I'd probably drop the contemptor anyway. The contemptor's not that great a dread. I mean, it's okay. It's but let's see, going for points here. A Redemptor is 140 base. And then let's see. So a stock one comes with the Gatling Cannon, Heavy Flamer, Rocket Pod, Grenade Launchers is about 207 points, uh, which is 40 points more than your Contemptor Dread. But you've got the points to do that if you just wanted to swap one out for the other. Honestly, I might drop the other dreadnought because I, I don't think you need to necessarily especially because they don't have a good there's not a good uh deployment system for dreads yeah so i all right so i've got the list here yeah it comes at 1957 points um let's like i said drop the contemptor and he's got the contemptor with the multi melta which i mean is again it's fine it's just i'm oh, sorry no uh, it's 201 but it also comes with the Icarus rocket pod stock stock. So 207. So swapping that out, it puts us at 1997, just that one change. Yeah. I would drop the other, drop the other dreadnought. So that frees up some points. I would drop the heavy bolter scout squad and put, put in, put in two more intercessor squads. We could drop the, the, I mean, the sniper scout squads nice and all. If we dropped that, Let's say he's got the Inceptor Squad with the Assault Bolters. I was looking to see if we could... Yeah, I don't know if I want to drop the Predator, because you won't get anything. Yeah, yeah I think that one you kind of leave. Yeah, I... The, about the only thing you hear, like, I like the Librarian and, and the Captain. Like, maybe swap the, the Chaplain for a Lieutenant. Cause yeah, because actually, I think I think you'd get more use out of the lieutenant. I agree. I agree that the, the Wh- cha- which lieutenant? Yes. <laughs> technically, and, there's and only you know, one. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Technically, yeah, because the chaplain is 85 points. The lieutenant is 74. So it's already a you already saved some points there. Need to figure out a way to shed about nine points because otherwise, we could tr- replace the. Uh, upgrade the in, the inceptors from the assault bolters to the plasma exterminators which are way yeah. better guns yeah um, um i mean technically like because i swapped i put in a reaver squad because i think that's a a better choice for you but i mean if you dropped just the grapnel launcher which admittedly does let them ignore height but the grav shoots let you deep strike them yeah which kind of gives you the same a similar value to the scouts mm-hmm so yeah, so replace the chaplain with the lieutenant, replace two of the scout squads with intercessors, because we're, we're talking pure premieres here. Right. Replace the two dreads with a stock redemptor, rep- uh, add a reaver squad, upgrade the inceptors to plasma to plasma exterminators, keep the two hellblaster squads as they are, keep the predator, and keep Bobby G. That is 1999. That's a good number. Yeah. And you've got... You've got a decent, you know, as far as variety within the list. Yeah, your troops are all kind of samey. Again, that's just a problem with Primaris right now. Right. Um, and you don't really have... And actually, with one point you left over, you could add an auxiliary grenade launcher to one of those squads. 
Yep. Because it is a one point upgrade. But yeah, you've got the, so you've got a librarian, you've got the captain in Gravis armor, um, you've got, which he's 134 points. You could even sh- shave some points by just make, taking a standard Primaris captain because Primaris captain's 91. Right. Yeah, give him an auto bolt rifle and a power sword. He's 95 points. That frees up 40 points. So if you wanted to buff up a couple of units, that's that's an option. But but even without that, it's like, yeah, so where were we? Replacing the, the troops with three intercessor squads. One of them gets a grenade launcher. Yeah, take the stalker redemptor. Take the reavers with just grav shoots instead of... Uh, but don't take grapnel launchers. You don't have points for them. Take the... Uh, in Scepter Squad with Plasmas, the two Hellblaster Squads. You could even combine the two Hellblaster Squads into one brick at 10. Yeah. Because you can split fire. So unless you're deploying them separately, you don't really need to have yeah. units of... I mean, you can. There's there's no... You're not... You know, it's not like this detachment requires you to have two heavies or three heavies. So a, a Hellblasters can be combat squatted. So you could, you might as well take them as a unit of ten. Yeah, I mean, the, it, the, there's no real saving other than you've got a one less sergeant. So if you replaced them with, so if you did, you save actually by nine hellblasters and a sergeant, you save seven points. I, uh, which would allow you to put extra. You could put grenade launchers on all three intercessor squads, which then that puts you and then. Depending on you've got enough points to give one of those squads auto bolt rifles instead of regular bolt rifles, and eh, nah, I think you'd want to just stick with the normal bolt rifle rather than the auto bolt rifle because it just changes it changes change into assault weapons. So you've got a more mobile unit, but you lose the minus one AP and the thirty inch range, which is yeah. kind of one of the benefits of taking it. Uh, you don't have points to take the stalker bolt bolt rifle, which is heavy one AP minus two, which would be kind of nice, but. But yeah, I I think, and then, yeah, leave the Predator because there's really no, like, there's no Primaris equivalent that has LAS, LAS cannons. Yeah. And having, and a Predator with four LAS cannons is not a bad thing to have. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd keep that. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then Bobby G is, is great. So you've you've got things that can deal with a little bit of everything. If I was going to try to put in a pair of a uh, pair of armagers. I would probably. I mean, you're going to be. You're not going to get any command points from it. Um, what would you drop? At that, th- with those, I might actually look at dropping the predator. I don't know, but you'd have to drop other stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to say. So you can't really. You I mean, can't. A- another another option, maybe rather than the redemptor dreadnought. Uh-huh. Is, is like the two a, arm. is uh well yeah the those I- instead of the the dreadnought uh-huh. or or maybe even adding in like an aggressor squad. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be cuz yeah, an aggressor squad is that's 111 points. It'd be cheaper than the it's cheaper than the uh inceptor squad and depending on like what weapons you take. Yeah. Um although I I don't often see like the inceptors in in lists, Unless and I don't know that they necessarily help in this. Uh, like on paper, me personally, I like them because I like having a unit that moves around fast. Yeah, but like I I don't have 
any specific practical experience with with them though yeah and usually when i've seen them a unit of three might not be enough like a unit of six would be better and that gets expensive fast right yeah so yeah i could see like there would be probably one of the first things i'd drop if i was going to bring in armagers because that and the dread Mm -hmm. yeah because they're going to kind of take that role right because they've got the mobility of the Inceptor Squad. They don't have fly, but right. they're fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you drop... Yeah, if I was going to add those in, if I if you drop the Inceptor Squad and the Redemptor Squad, you're at 1611. That's more than enough points to fit those in and yeah. then buff up and whatever else you wanted to... Like, add a few models or right. upgrade a character or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I would go with yeah, like yeah, the Inceptors they'd be the first one to go from the from this list if I was gonna try to squeeze out a more point. Or you could, like you said, replace them. Let's let's put the like if we're just before adding in in any armagers, I'll put the Redemptor Dread back in with the Icarus Pod, and we'll drop the Inceptors. We'll put in the Aggressor Squad. And we'll keep the the stock bolt storm gauntlets. That's fine. Let's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're ne- we're still got like seven. We're at nineteen twenty nine. We've got seventy one points to play with now. Right. Which means we can uh, maybe we change out the weapons on the Redemptor. We go ahead and give the Reaver Squad grapnel launchers too. Um, we uh, which I mean that still gives us sixty points to play with. Trying to th- see, or we could drop the grapnel launchers and put in a Primaris apothecary to help keep that brick of hellblasters alive. Yeah, because that's six- that puts us at nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, that gives you so now you've got some options you can change out if the inceptors aren't working for you. Throw in aggressors and apothecary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. You don't have a lot that's like flying. So you, I mean, you're mostly a foot slogging army. Guess what? Primaris generally is because their one transport is stupid expensive. Yeah. And until they figure out how to change the, until they a figure out how to make drop pods good again, and b figure out how to strap Primaris into them, you don't have really a good way to drop them anywhere. So they're tough. You can just strap them on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the doors? Oh. <laughs> that's that's where it all falls down. That, that's. <laughs> That that's that's they they get flung off of them. <laughs> they're they're not so much doors as catapults. At this yeah, point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so there you go, Yeppy. That's yeah. yeah I, th- I think that would be kind of get you on the point on on the right track. And then again, you've got options there. Like you p- want to put in the armatures, drop the uh, like drop the redemptor, and then the aggressors. And now you've got points mm-hmm. to do that. All right, and our last letter is from Tyler Stevenson. Tyler writes, Hello, preferred enemies. I hope you are all well. After the awesome response to my email last year, I was wondering if you guys could help me with my new Tau army. I've just decided to delve into the Tau Empire as my next army is wanted and wanted some advice. I've recently moved house and seen a local thousand-point low-key tournament run every few months that I would like to try them out at. I have bought the below models and wondered if you could offer some advice. A Cadre Fireblade, uh, an Ethereal on foot, a Cold Star Commander, haven't added weapons yet, although I do love the high outburst cannon look, 
two five-man strike teams with pulse rivals, uh, three-man stealth suits, two burst cannon and fusion blaster, three-man XV-8 suits armed with three flamers and a missile pod, one ghost keel armed with cyclic iron raker and two burst cannons, uh, six shield drones, four marker drones, two stealth drones, and a box of ten fire warriors currently unassembled. Uh, the stealth drones are with the ghost keel, which are technically shield drones. Not, or, uh, they're well, they're yeah, they're stealth drones. Sorry, yeah. So six shield drones, four marker drones, two stealth drones with the ghost keel, and then a box of ten fireworkers. Fire warriors currently unassembled. For the army, I'm liking the idea of the Tau Sept. As I'm new to town, it seems straightforward for a beginner. Also, I'm thinking my next purchase should be a Riptide and another start collecting box from some extra XV8 suits and enough fire warriors to make a battalion. I'm open to suggestions, though, for the next purchase, as I'm also considering broadside suits. Decisions, decisions. Anyway, any advice you can offer would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Tyler. All right, so your your HQ choices are are good. Uh, fire blades are very popular choices right now. They are cheap HQs and they make your fire warriors, your strike yeah. squads better. Uh, ethereals are decent. Uh, the cold star commander is great. Um, mostly, you'll see him run with like I've seen three fusion blasters and a shield gen. I've seen four fusion blasters. The high I, mine has the high output high output burst cannon, but that's because when I built it, that was the only legal option they could have. Right. Depending on what you want to do with it, I mean, the cost will add up with the additional items, but you've got some flexibility there. If you can magnetize it, that is even better. Uh, but that's definitely, uh, a w- that's definitely a way to go. You're going to want to build that unit of fire warriors because you need at least one more strike squad. You can, b- what you've got now, you can build a battalion. You don't need to buy an extra box to build a battalion because you can buy- put in strike teams at five. So uh, go ahead and build that and maybe build it into two five man or, you know, just run it as normal pulse rifles and have four five man squads and fill out a battalion. Uh, the ghost keel is kind of in a weird space right now. It's a decent suit. It's not, it's not great. It's not terrible. Um, I've had mixed luck with mine. I don't know about the dual burst cannons on it. I do like the cyclic ion raker though. The XV-8 suits, uh, triple flamer and a missile pod, so somebody built them for 8th edition. The problem is XV-8 suits are a bit overcosted right now for what you get out of them, and even if you deep strike them, deep striking means you have to stay 9 inches away. Flamers have an 8-inch range, so you're going to drop them in and do nothing with them other than pot shots with a missile pod for a turn. Uh, they're great uh, if somebody's going to charge at you because... That's nine flamers that yeah. somebody's going to walk into if they charge you from within eight inches. So, yeah. yeah so um, I would skip the XV-8 suits uh, until after. Let's wait and see what Chapter Approved does, because hopefully they'll get a points drop. I don't know if it'll be enough to make them a viable choice, but uh, yeah, for, for tournament play anyway, they're they're just not a great choice right now. On the other hand, stealth suits are gold. They're really good. I highly recommend them. Get more of those if you can. The shield drones are ve- are are very popular, especially if you're looking at getting a Riptide, which is definitely a good next purchase. Uh, Riptides are super good right now. Um, I mean, they're not like seventh edition Tau stupid good, but they're since the Tau Codex came out, they're a much more solid choice. Uh, definitely, like if you can again magnetize it. Otherwise, the burst cannons a pr- the the heavy burst cannon on that is a pretty solid weapon option what you what i would do for a thousand points out of this um i mean you're definitely like i said you need to have the fire warriors all right so we've got a fire blade 
Ethereal, a Cold Star. We'll just give him the stock weapon since he seemed to like that. We'll go for at least three Strike Squads. Because like I said, eh, we'll go four. You're going to build that extra box. A uh, squad of two squads of tactical drones. Unit of stealth suits. And we'll throw the ghost kill because you got it. And let's see. Well, also, the three flamers and a missile pod, those are not, those were commander suits. Those were not standard XV8 suits because you can only put three on a non commander suit. So, uh, those are going to be illegal for you to run as uh, elites unless you want to pop one of those weapons off. So, yeah. Um, and of course, that was back when you could have four commanders which you can't anymore and you already have a commander in your battalion. So you're right now you're at 715 with what you got. Um, that's with, I mean, we can add some points onto the ghost keel with war gear and onto the, the cold star. Like I said, if you let's just go ahead and dump three fusion blasters and shield generator on him and the ghost keel, yeah, the most I can get this up to with what you've got here that can be legally used is about 768 points. Like the those XV8s if you don't mind pretending that they don't have a third flamer on them. So, yeah, you're going to have to pretend that uh one of the weapons is missing off of that. I'm going to say a flamer. So just say they've got a missile pod and two flamers. Oop, that's going to put you over on points anyway. Well, if we drop the fourth strike team, which you don't need, yeah, you're at 985. If it's a low-key tournament, this should be fine. But yeah, the Cold Star I would give, and that's with giving him three fusion blasters and a, sh- and a shield generator, which will get work done. I mean, he'll he'll get where he needs to go and melt something's face off. Let's see. Uh, if that's a newer Fire Warriors box, it'll have a support turret in it. Uh, you can put an SMS that gets you to a thousand. So you'll have one, one squad with a uh, missile turret and the other two squads will be f- normal. Uh, so that's a thousand points. Tau Sept is really good. Overwatching on fives is fantastic. Their focused fire stratagem is also gold. So, uh, that's a good choice. And that also unlocks most of the characters to use. So if you want to use Long Strike or Dark Strider, uh, or Anva or Shadow Sun later on, that that's definitely the way to go. Although, you know, you can run as anything depending on what, you know, color scheme doesn't matter. But, uh, I would not necessarily look at the start collecting box. Um, you don't need the XV8 suits unless you want to make these some legal XV8 suits, but I would, I would hold off on that until after chapter approved riptide and broadsides would not be a bad, bad purchases though. I would definitely recommend getting those. Um, otherwise you can, you can get boxes of fire warriors if you want to add more, more troops cheaply enough. You don't need to buy the, cause you, you don't need to buy the start collecting box to get those. Uh, so, but yeah, you're, you don't have a bad start, but I would also like, I would look at swapping out the ghost keel when you get a riptide. I would definitely get the broadsides and then figure out like what else you want to do from there. But, uh, hold off on until chapter approved comes out and then see if the, Crisis suits are, are where you want to go with those. And if you have a list you'd like us to look at or a letter you want us to read on the air or a question for us, 
Uh, there's three good ways to do that. First off is our email. Our email addresses are our first names at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. And you can find links to those on preferredenemies.com. Uh, also, we have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, you can uh, like us there. We uh, post what we're working on, events we're going to, things like that. And some of our models, we will be putting up albums of our armies coming up soon. You can like us there, send us messages. We also have a Twitter account. Uh, Twitter dot, uh, our Twitter account is at preferred enemy singular. Uh, you can send us messages there as well. Uh, we post what's, you know, what we're doing, new episodes coming out. Uh, we put out a call for questions before each episode. So, uh, we take all the questions from all those three sources. We collate them together, throw them onto our, our list for, of, letters for an episode and read them on the air. Also, if you want to help support the show, we do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, we basically uh, use the money there. It's an online tip jar. Uh, you can give as little as a dollar a month. Uh, we never are going to put any content behind a uh, paywall. So all our episodes will be free, whether you are a patron or not. Although we are working on giving our patrons perks. In fact, our order of dice for our patrons is currently under production. Production. I've confirmed that with Chessex. So we That's should good. get that hopefully by the end of the year. And once we get that, we're going to be sending out, uh, sending those out to our patrons who have uh, ordered them. And then we'll look at doing a run for our non-patrons. But we want to give our patrons our fir- the first crack at it. Yeah. Uh, we also give all our new patrons a shout-out on the air. So uh, our new patrons, uh, we've it's been a while since we've done a patron shout-out. So uh, we've got several. Uh, Benjamin Ross, David Hillstrom, uh, Justin Coley, Adam Merrick, Drew Davenport, Henry Thomas, and Nick Janowski are all new patrons. Thank you very much for helping support the show. Uh, we use those funds to do things like buy our mixing, like upgrade our mixing board, pay for some of our travel costs to go to events. For example, you guys covered uh, Dennis and I going to the Iron Halo. Uh, you helped cover our uh, our new mixing board that we're using right now, which helps helps us keep our sound quality up. Uh, so we really appreciate you, you helped that helped fund some of the dice before our the way we're doing the payments is we're basically going to invoice out to our our patrons who ordered dice but that helped those funds helped us get the dice order done so it helped you know stuff like that helps support the show and helps us support our fans back so we really appreciate it again as little as a dollar a month uh if you want to there's no pressure but hey enough people throw in a dollar it adds up so we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll be talking about codex orcs see you in a bit Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? 
Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and now it's time to get into our main topic, which is our look at Codex Orcs. Orc players have been waiting, and this one came in at the technically pre-ordered at the end of Orktober. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, spill into what, what we like to call Knobvenber. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, GW slipping by on a technicality. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they did release Orc models technically yes. in uh, October, so uh, close enough for government work, I suppose. Um, so, you know, orcs have been like one of the last major factions to go without a codex for 8th edition. So it was nice to see them kind of get back into it and get all the, the standard codex updates we've, exp- you know, we've seen for other armies. Right. And I, I do really like, I've been digging into the fluff section a little bit. Like, I really like the presentation overall. I, and I know some of it is not new. Like, they've had the, the orc glyphs and things like that in pe- previous codexes. Yeah. But I'm glad that they, they keep doing that and in including it as part of the lore. And right. Because orcs are one of those armies that you really, like, orc players love getting really deep into it and customizing stuff and painting on and slapping together all the the various sigils and and glyphs and such and usually some of the kits even include like little panels that have those on there that you can yeah. kind of customize mm-hmm. so you know having that in there is, is fun um again having you know getting the orc clans and actually having rules for them is nice also interesting to see freebooters actually being upgraded to full clan status right which i think that's relatively new well the- as much as any non clan is since you'll get yeah. into that when you get there yeah yeah but really playing into the whole pirate theme of of the freebooters as well you know the, the, it's one of those things where there's a balance and i we kind of have talked about this i don't we touched on it a little bit very like maybe made an oblique reference to it in the first part of the show but there's a balance on orcs because orcs in the past were very like especially second edition orcs a very silly race yes <laughs> uh and, and and like that's still here and there, and it, it's not necessarily gone away as far as their fluff goes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but like as far as the rules representations go, like they had some pretty wacky stuff in the past. Oh yeah, like, like lots of random charts. Yeah, uh, vehicles that would. Like when they blew up, they'd Go run in a random direction. Ran, yeah, right. Or uh, like 
Hell, even back the the art back when artillery had their own separate dice, uh-huh. like just the fact that they would like keep firing, but just in random directions that you had like no control over yeah and like they could still hurt yourself and or, or the it, big mechs with the it, experimental guns that could sometimes yeah. warp them as, as opposed to ammo out at the enemy yep yes. teleporting themselves into close combat with you all of a sudden <laughs> yeah so lots of or, or you know warp or yeah warp boys that would have ran, or weird boys that would have random powers yes you know they're just like you could not plan like i'm gonna take a psyker i have no idea what i'm gonna get there's no right. planning for it e- every single turn i would roll and get a different power yeah and so you'd you'd have just craziness like that which on the one hand is fun and fluffy and very orky but it does make it can slow down the game a little bit because all that randomness is rolling and can, and referring to charts, and your own army could be its own worst enemy if those rolls went badly. Right, and that's not great for gameplay. But at the same time, you don't want to completely lose that that flavor of the orc stuff doesn't work quite right consistently it, all the time. Yeah, so it's it's a tough balance, and also from the Imperium's point of view. Orcs are these really scary, like, imagine giant, like, ape-sized, well, apes are actually smaller than people, so imagine really huge apes that carry guns and would, you know, like to tear you in half because it amuses them. Right. And and are, you know, of average intelligence of a, of a person, yeah. like, not just an animal. Yeah, it's like we you know, we kind but of have that savagery to them yes. also. So yeah, you have you know, that's terror like if you're a guardsman, that should be a, a a group of 30 of those guys running at you should be terrifying. And it's hard to balance that within oh, and then they blew themselves up because of their silly weapon rule. Oh, right. <laughs> so to finding that balance of silly and random but also scary and functional and intimidating it has been tough for GW to, to walk, and sometimes that leads to rules getting a little bit, you know, streamlined down to the point where it's like, this doesn't really feel all that orky anymore. Which is where the index kind of left us feeling a lot. Yeah, because it's like, the, yeah, I mean, every faction felt really kind of diluted of flavor, but orcs flavor is, you know, the orcs welcome to, you know, the orc plan is like, welcome to flavor country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i mean that's the orc is the orcs have i mean they're one of the classic bits of you know we we talked earlier in their discussion about squats about how you know gw didn't just want this to be fantasy in space but orcs are one of the factions that have kind of made it through unscathed from that them and the eldar i think are the you know the two eldar still very film feel very much like elves you know they're they're space elves they they're you know mysterious and aloof and they're the you know magic users of the of the universe and orcs are the orcish hordes and they still you know they uh fantasy orcs don't feel all that horribly different from space orcs right so uh you know it's it's one of those old school 40k things that have managed to make it through all the various editions of the game but you know, the, it's again finding that balance between grim, dark, and and sensible chuckle. You know? Right, and like I haven't had a lot of time to to really get 
dug into like the the fluff you've probably read more of the fluff than i have rob uh they're still fungus right I, or do they even mention that um, it was not mentioned in all the pages i was because i was looking for it yeah so, <laughs> so then that's a one another one of the things right. like the orcs have a an odd background like nobody's like the history of the orc and where they come from and what they're made of has kind of shifted from edition to edition. And like in the past, like orcs have been, you know, they're, they're kind of a fungal form, which is why they're green. They like, they have fungus and algae in their blood. And also there's like, that was how they reproduced. Yeah. Is that an orc died and they released spores and the spores seeded and, and then months later out popped feral orcs. So they were really tough to get rid of. Yeah. So that has. Like, I haven't seen, like, I'm not saying that it's not in here, but I actually haven't necessarily seen a mention of that yet in See, this. So fer- okay. So feral orcs. The, okay, so here in the past, it was, yeah, it was like when you killed an orc, you had to burn the corpses because otherwise they would just release spores and then the spores would grow into feral orcs. Now, in this one, they've kind of changed that a bit. Uh, on page 14, there's a an inset box that says, although the majority of orcs will never venture far from their tribe, there are those strange few who are driven to explore the remote uh, locales of their world. Uh, in time, they degenerate into savages, sometimes known as wild boys. Uh, at other times, orcs' armies that suffer a sufficiently crushing defeat may be all but eradicated. Uh, they'll retreat into small pockets, and then they'll devolve into feral orcs. And, of course, there's, like, the entire ecosystem that they have with uh, squigs and snotlings and Gretchen. They're all, like, orcish. But, yeah, it's it's not as clearly spelled out here as it has been. You know, And, again, it's maybe we've just missed it. But yeah, I don't see it clearly mentioned here that their biology is like fungal based. So that may be something they're kind of backing off from a little bit. Possibly, yes. But like historically, it's one thing about orcs is orc culture just kind of happens. Like it's, it's ingrained into them to the point where, um, they have like they're, they have doctors named pain boys. They have mechanics called mech boys or big mechs. Uh, they have, uh, and then there's all sorts of what they call odd boys who know particular jobs or, you know, that know how to do particular tasks in orcish culture, but there's, they, nobody gets taught. They just kind of know it. And so the theory is that it's basically the, all their roles are genetically built into them. So like they just have instinctual culture that gets as, as the, and they get better at it and they, you know, as there are more and more orcs around because they have this weird kind of collective energy. And so one of the possible thoughts, and there's a mention of this on uh, page eight, the lost race uh, that the orcs uh, were, there was once a uh, smaller and far more intelligent race called that the orcs refer to in some cultures as the brain boys, which may have been, uh, you know, the leaders of the orc race, uh, but they don't exist. Something happened to them and they're all gone now. Uh, there, and there's also been speculation in the past that they were a race created by the old ones. Yeah. Uh, that were there to basically, 
uh, possibly created as a biological, almost a biological weapon to fight the Necrons. I've yeah. seen that in Pat previous mm-hmm. codexes, and they just kind of got out of hand because what happens when you create a race of gigantic, angry soccer hooligans who just want to f- get into a good fight? Mm-hmm. They kind of like get into good fights with everything, including the guys that made them. <laughs> so the orcs distant history is kind of shrouded in the annals of past fluff <laughs> and never really gets driven out. But orcs themselves don't have a really a good sense of long history. Orcs very much live in the now. Yep. So what is what is now is most important, although they do have a religion. There is the the two orca gods of Gork and Mork, which if you've heard the phrase Gork and Morka from old games, it's kind of where that comes from. Gork, is, these two gods, they're kind of the same sides of the same coin because they're not really all that different. <laughs> right. Uh, they get used interchangeably for good reason. But there's Gork, who is brutal but cunning. He's he's the one that's all about fighting, but he also knows how to knows how to get away when he needs to. And then there's Mork, who is cunning but brutal. He's the one who comes up with all the nifty ideas, but he's also comes up with them so he can get in a good crumpin'. Yep. Uh, in fact, the uh, the great rift that has opened up in uh, the 8th edition 40k universe is they refer to as Gork's Grin, although it could be Mork's Grin. Because uh, they even talk about like how the Gorkonaut and Morkonaut pilots are occasionally okay. gripped by visions of Gork, or possibly Mork. Mork. <laughs> It, it's all kind of kind of the same. But uh, yeah, so orcs themselves have a clan-based culture. So they have the Goths, who are kind of like the stereotypical orc. Like if you, the proto-orc. <laughs> the, the orc that all people think of. The orc that likes to get into a good fight. Uh, they're basically, you know, they're, they're known for getting in and getting their hands dirty. Uh, evil sons, red ones go faster. They're, they're the ones that love vehicles, love to go as fast as possible. And which leads to a bit about orc technology in that orc technology works because they think it does. Yep. It, it, if a human were to pick up an orc god and try to fire it. If it did anything, it'd probably blow up in their hands. Probably. More likely, it'd probably just do nothing. Right. But- there's a distinct possibility that, yes, it would backfire like that. So there's something, there's kind of a a psychic field, for lack of a better word, that just permeates everything around orcs. And so because they believe this stuff to work, it does. Which is why orcs believe that if you take something and you paint it red, it goes faster. And strangely enough, yeah. if an orc's driving it... It does. Yes. So the evil sons are the... The clan that's all about going fast, and uh, they're the ones known for having vehicles and, and are most common among the speed freaks. Blood axes are orcs that try to be as sneaky and tact- <laughs> tactic-based as possible, which strangely works out in their favor sometimes. Yep. And occasionally they even fight as mercenaries for the Imperium, which that's weird enough <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Let's see, there's Death Skulls. They're the ones who are best at looting things, because orcs are really good at working with whatever they can find. Right, because, well, when you can just make something work because you think it works, 
stick a couple of things together and hey, it works. Yeah. And orcs aren't necessarily known for setting up forge worlds and having technology and factories and things like that. So they just, they steal whatever they can and death skulls are probably the best at it. Yep. And then there's the bad moons who are the richest orcs, not because they have the most gold necessarily, but because they have the most teeth. Because teeth are their currency. Yep. And the Bad Moon clan genetically just grows teeth faster than anybody else. So if they don't have enough money, they'll just find the nearest or somebody else will just find the nearest Bad Moon orc and punch him in the face and take his teeth. I did yep. like the fluff that said some um, opportunist, opportunistic war bosses would come in and have a, just a bunch of Bad Moons just kind of sitting around so they could just beat them up and take their teeth. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is my bank account. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> But they're so they're known for having the the best gear. And then there's the snake bites, which think all these all this gear and technology is way overrated. And we just need to go back the way things used to be when we just hit people with axes. They they uh, pride themselves in in just being tough themselves, which carries over into their rules a bit yes. too. But they're known as snake bites because they like they'll let animals bite them just to prove how tough they are. Right. And then there's the freebooters who are kind of mercenaries even amongst the orcs. They're also the ones that tend to be pirate themed. Yes. For no clear reason that they would adopt human pirate, <laughs> pirate, uh, you know, hats and, and culture, but they do. Uh, but they, you know, there's a, a, you can build an army of freebooters, but they even have a couple of units in the game that are specifically freebooters and uh, can be kind of thrown in with anything. So, I mean, that's a kind of a quick, well, and I guess we would be, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't mention the wah. Yes. Because the wah is very important. So it, it is, it is the culmination and the, the drive of eventually what all orcs will, will want to get to. And that's just getting together with, with your mates and going off and finding a Big old fight. Yep. So orcs, as they as they get together, as larger and larger groups get together, orcs will start figuring out who amongst themselves is the one in charge, and it's usually the biggest orc. Although a weird thing happens with orcs. The more fights a orc wins, the bigger he gets. Not really sure why that happens, but yeah. it definitely does. And eventually... If a big enough orc starts gathering up a big enough group of followers, he can lead them on a wall. And again, it's that kind of you get enough orcs together and there's just this psychic field around them that just builds up, gets them all worked up and sets them going. And they'll lead a wall going from world to world, just conquering everything they can until they until they stop. Until, and what stops them is usually the the orc in charge, the war boss in charge of the wall gets killed or another bigger orc comes and takes his wall away. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when they're in the throes of the mighty wall, uh, orcs get really scary. Like individually, small groups of orcs, yeah, they're big, they're nasty, but they're not that impressive. But you get a few thousand orcs or a few million orcs into a great wall and worlds tremble. And yep. the Imperium yeah. takes notice. <laughs> and that's when that race that seems kind of kind of silly and all their gear doesn't work, suddenly all those orcs together, things start working better, their technology starts going. 
Also, orcs are strangely enough some of the better masters of teleportation technology in the universe, which is one of the last things you'd think orcs would be good at. Yeah. But <laughs> again, it's that genetic information that they have. So, uh, yeah. No, orcs are a very interesting race. And there's even other fantasy, like other games have like space orcs in them, but none of them have quite the same feel as 40k orcs. They're, they're very unique amongst, uh, Orcdom in in, cult, in fantasy and sci-fi culture, and I mean they've got everything from helicopters and drag racers, and you know their own takes on dreadnoughts to titans or like not quite titan-sized stomp, but like bigger than knight-sized effigies of Gork or possibly Mork to. Uh, People in jump, orcs in jump pack that are rebelliously stern and disciplined. Yes. <laughs> yeah, storm boys are fun. The idea that uh, when an orc gets to adolescence and they rebel from not being so chaotic and wanting to drill and make formations. <laughs> of course, then they go into combat with a giant rocket strapped to their back that may take them who knows where. <laughs> right. So, yeah, orcs are just uh, an an odd, fun, crazy bunch. And that kind of takes us into some of the rules for how orcs work. So uh, one of the key parts uh, of orcs is how their morale works, because they've never worked quite like, you know, it's like everybody else is like, I've got 10 people in this unit. Uh, we have a leader, a fixed leadership value. We lose three people. Well, we're going to have to roll and you know, hope we roll, you know, three plus, you know, under three plus our leadership or, th- or hope our leadership is over three plus the die roll. Orcs, as we said, you get more and more of them together, they get tougher and tougher, and they stop caring so much. And so there's a rule called mob rule. Uh, when using the leadership characteristic of this unit, you can use either its own leadership characteristic, or you can choose the characteristic to be equal to either the number of models in the unit or the number of models in another friendly unit within six inches that has mob rule. Yes. So units uh, that this uh, army can scrap together we'll have 20 30 models so yeah uh, yeah kill us all yeah and whereas in other armies like having 30 models in a unit could be an actual you know it could be an actual detriment because you lose like 15 you're gonna lose like another 15 because and my slanesh demons run into that quite frequently right in this case okay well our leadership is still 15 <laughs> Right. So we might only lose a D6 worth, or there's that squad of 30 just That's right... right next to me, so no. No, don't, don't care. care. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit, I uh, like this version of Mob Rule better than a lot of the other ones I've had. Yeah. Where, yeah, where it was like a chart you rolled yeah. on, and yeah, the the seventh right. edition Mob Rule was weird. It did not... Yeah, it, it was... It, it was gonky. Is, yeah. is, I mean, it kind of try, like, I, I like, I get what they were trying to do with it, but yeah, it didn't. This is, this is back to, you know, the good old days of, of the fourth edition codex of what Mob Rule did, but even better because of the whole, you know, that unit next to me. Yeah. I can use their leadership and their leadership is 30. So I'm good. Yeah. That, that makes such a huge difference because yeah, your opponent either has to whittle all the squads down at the same time. Right. Which diffuses their fire. Yeah. 
Or they go after one, but yeah, as long as you're close and you keep models with, you know, one model within six inches of the other squad, now nah, I'm good. I'm, yep. Which also saves CP so you don't have to spend them to do like insane bravery checks too. Right. Uh, then we've got the ear we go rule, which is also important because this is a very assault. I mean, there's lots of shooting in this army. Don't get me wrong. Orcs can shoot. Well, maybe not with the best of them, but they can put out it's, a lot. It, it, it's quantity over quality. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is orcs to a T. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, the ear we go rule helps them get into close combat because uh, you can, uh, you know, with this rule can reroll charge rolls. And when they do so, they can reroll any or all of the dice. Which That's is amazing. Which is a nice uh, change over the index because the index literally just said you can reroll your charge distance, which meant everything. Which meant you rerolled both. They had to reroll both dice. Yeah. So now rolling is rolling a six and a one doesn't mean you have to throw that six away. Right. So yeah. No. Here we go. Orcs, if, if they can survive the firepower coming at them, they'll get into combat. And then finally, a rule that was a, a stratagem in last year's chapter proved is now just a rule for a good number of the orcs, and that is daka daka daka. Yes, which is the the sound that orcs use to describe shooting machine guns, and is like has been adopted by the 40k uh, fan base as just the term it, for, for shooting. shooting lots. Yeah, it's like uh, like this is my daka predator because it's got you know auto cannons and heavy bolters on it. So now just so we we've all ex- embraced orc culture with daka but now the orcs do it even better with daka 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 which says every time you you roll an unmodified hit roll of 6 for an attack with a ranged weapon made by a model in this unit that hit roll succeeds regardless of any modifiers I think necrons might be jealous uh, well and eldar are afraid <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, especially okay. you know, it's like all those armies that depend on minus ones to hit from distance or you know from this or that ability. It doesn't matter. I'm throwing enough shots at you. If I roll sixes, I hit you. Flyers are are not safe because I can, you know, no modifiers apply. If I'm rolling sixes, I'm hitting you. And then in addition, immediately make an additional hit roll against the same target using the same weapon. These additional hit rolls cannot themselves generate any further hits. And then when firing weapons with randomly determined characteristics, any additional hit rolls use the same characteristics. You don't have to re-roll for that. But not only do your sixes auto-hit, they explode. That's the scary part. Yeah. Now, granted, you have to roll for those again, and orcs generally have a ballistic skill of five. So they're not hitting all that much. But when they hit, you know, they're just throwing out, again, so many bullets. They're going to hit something. And that's... Which made, you know, making shoot-a-boys a viable option again. Yeah. Um, and then finally, there's like a speed mob rule that uh, it applies for a few of the units in the game, which basically says when you place them, they sp- you have to place them within like six inches of each other and they split off and become their own units rather than reprint that on. So there's enough units in the game that do that. They just figured we'll just make it one rule rather than reprint it over and over again on data sheets. Right. Um, as far as your HQs. You've got a few options. Actually, you've got a lot of... You've got more options. Than, they've got, moved a lot of stuff into the HQ squat, in the um, HQ spot. It, it's been... I mean, this is kind of what it was. I mean, there's there was more in the index, but sure. yeah, everything that... So a lot of these... A lot of, like, the named characters that are, are now HQs a long time ago used to be just kind of like character upgrades for specific units. Mm-hmm. So. so now they're... they're character their their units in their own right yeah um which fortunately you've got more slots available in this edition so yes. it's generally not as big an issue uh the the 
HQ that you're going to see a lot in Orc Armies, though, is the War Boss. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the bread and butter HQ. The, the, yeah, a very standard, um, yeah, they're, they're, and the model for him is, is really cool. Like, he, he almost looks like a, a very characterful, uh, Named, guy, yeah. named guy, which he used to be. Yeah, there used to be a, unlike the, the, uh, the other character out of that exact same box set. You're not angry, are you, Richard? No. No, not no. really. No. Um, so yeah, there was a, Chrom Dragon Gaze was the, uh, Space Wolf character out of the, uh, was it Stormclaw? Uh, yeah. Stormclaw mm-hmm. box a few years ago. Uh, and then there was a named uh, orc war boss that came out with them. Gruck Face Ripper. Yep. Uh, he is now just war boss. <laughs> yep. Uh, and unfortunately, the war boss model they have doesn't have a lot of options, although the unit actually has options you can take. Yeah, they- that it, it is. I, I'm glad that they like kept the the myriad of, of war gear options that... Uh, the war boss generally had, although there's a couple of data sheets missing too. Well, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's standard fare for, and, and they're still back there in the index. Yeah, so, so they're still available. You can still take them. Uh, but yeah, the war boss is, is your your stock combat monster character that you're going to use as an HQ. His his important thing is wall is wall the wall rule which lets. Friendly clan infantry units uh, within six inches of this model at the start of the charge phase can charge even if they advanced this turn. So, yeah, running at you and then charging. Yep. As long as they can stay near the war boss, that's that's all that matters. Yep. Now, granted, he does have a movement of five, which but is, most orcs do. Pretty, Yeah, that is standard pretty much across most of at least the infantry of the infantry yeah orcs don't move you know they're kind of big and lumbering so they don't move as fast but once they get going they can really get going and that's where the wall comes in plus he's also got the ability if there's a clan unit within you know the fails morale test within three inches of him he basically beats some heads does d3 mortal wounds to the unit and then they pass right so uh, you can tr- like if you're gonna lose like, like you lost 15 and there's nobody within six inches, you can trade that for losing one to three. Yes, and uh, and be fine. So, and then there's the there's Gasgol who is like the named war boss for the Goths, and he's his own godlike character in 40k lore. Yeah, he's he's pretty. He's pretty ridiculous in the lore and like has it with the fluff in this book seems to have gotten like even more ridiculous because he's he originally got uh, very badly injured as a young orc yeah, kind of holding dr- his brain in and, and uh, got drug into a pain boy and got fixed up got a Nice new chrome head. Yep. Uh, but ever since then, uh, pretty much has visions and uh, can talk to Gork and Mork. Uh, or have has Gork and Mork talk to him. Uh, and 
as of recent, he started a yet another uh, war towards the planet Armageddon again, again, because because uh, it's fun. It's fun, and it's, he's 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 almost taken it twice yep. at this point. So third time's the charm. Uh, but yeah, well, he, not so much. But no, not not for the people on Armageddon, definitely uh, right. But uh, yeah, he is he's the prophet of the Wa, the prophet of Gork and Mork, and so he's. He's got the best version of the Wall, the Great Wall, which has the same ability, although his affects all orc infantry, not just of his clan. Yes. And uh, at the start, and then you add one to the attacks characteristics of model and friendly orc infantry units if they made a charge, and he's within them, within six inches of him when they're chosen to fight. So there's a lot of pieces that kind of got to move together, but uh, he's still, he's better at it than anybody else. Yeah. And he's also got a four-up invulnerable save, which is something a lot of units in this army don't have. Yeah, invulnerable saves are are few and far between with this. Uh, with with, this with army. a couple of with exceptions. A couple of exceptions. I mean, and again, it it comes down to that uh, quantity over quality thing. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. Um, you've got big mechs, which are uh, basically the. Tech Marines, sort of, of the Orc world. Although, again, if you want just a stock Big Mech, you're going to have to look in the index. The Codex version is limited to the two models they sell, which is either one with a shock attack gun or one in Mega Armor, which is their equivalent of Terminator Armor. Right. Um, and their thing is, you know, they can help vehicles, you know, they can have vehicles re- recover lost wounds. Um, the one in Mega Armor has the option to take what's called a custom force field, which is a very popular piece of war gear. Right, because as we said, we said, you know, invulnerable saves are generally few and far between. But the great thing about the custom force field is it can pr- it's a bubble of, uh, of force field that helps against shooting attacks, which orcs have crap armor for the most part. We're talking t-shirt saves of six up, usually. Yep, usually. So you need some way to survive shooting. Custom force fields give you a five, five up and vulnerable if uh, you're within nine inches of the unit putting out the, uh, the force field. But the unit has to be wholly within. So it's like everybody, like, which can be tough on with some units. Although right. a nine inch bubble still gives you plenty of room for 30 boys. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely still fit those in there, and uh, especially now with like the lack of of templates in in the game, like cramming the the models together is not a it's not a is, is, is yeah is a little easier to do. Yeah, and then the the shock attack gun is just a fun choice. It's one of those options that we as we talked about used to have its own random chart that could like depending on what you rolled could teleport you across the board instead of the gun or just. Like, remove you from existence. Yeah, as you just blink out and teleport away. Uh, or uh, practically remove your opponent from existence as also. It, as it teleport, <laughs> or you might teleport a snotling inside your opponent's head and just kill uh, them. Yes. Uh, now instead, it's just, it's a very random weapon. 60-inch range, heavy D6, strength 2D6, uh, D6 damage. Does It is AP five minus 5, though. So, yeah. I mean, it'll... And then uh, if you rolled a strength of 11 or 12, uh, you get D3 mortal wounds on the target in addition to the normal damage. So it's not a bad choice. And the model's fantastic. It's a neat-looking yeah. model. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good gun now. Although, again, your ballistic skill 5. Although if you roll a 6. Yeah. Because uh, they have daka-daka-daka. 
Um, Weird Boys are your one psychic choice. Uh, they not a lot going on with the you know psychic power wise. You can have one one power cast and one power denied. Although there's a stratagem that can upgrade him. Yes. Uh, although the the Wa energy ability is kind of getting there's there's some classic orcdom for you. Yeah, like the the more the more orcs the weird boy has around him, like that all again all that Wa energy, all of that psychic field that pretty much all orcs kind of passively create unless they're Gretchen unless they're Gretchen which aren't really, really? orcs right. you know they're they keep them around because they have to right uh <laughs> uh it, it adds to his psychic test and just makes him more powerful but also might make his brain explode yeah well that happens but you know it happens <laughs> you're it's a weird boy what you gonna do um, I'm just going to skip a couple of the characters and get to one of the new units, the Death Killer War Trike, which is, which is basically the replacement for a war boss on a bike. Yep. I mean, it's your HQ, it's your wheeled HQ unit. Um, and, uh, he, again, he has speed wall, which is basically the same thing as the other wall rules. Except for bikers and vehicles instead of infantry. Right. And and has got a, a lot of actually lots of shooting options, but like it, it's short, a lot of short range. Yeah, it's meant to get in, get in, do some damage, and then hit you with the claw. Right. And power claws are a very common, and this one's technically a snag a claw, but uh, it, I mean, effectively, it you know it's a power claw uh, in melee, and power claws are basically power fists. Right. Uh, but very popular uh, weapon in this army. You'll see it on a lot of knobs, which are basically their sergeant slash veteran equivalent. Right. Um, yeah, it it's actually pretty nice. I, I kind of like it. It It's not as powerful as, as a power claw. But oh, because it, it's only plus two. It's only than plus two other than the double, but it doesn't have the uh, the minus to hit. Yeah. Plus also rerolling wound rolls. Yeah. Super, is super good. So, uh, and 14 movement, one is great in this Is super fast. Yeah. Plus, once per battle, they can just advance six instead of uh, rolling for it. Yeah. Because they've got the fuel mix of grot. And again, because it's a biker or vehicle within six inches of itself, it can advance and charge as well. Yep. So, you're talking 20, on one turn, 20 inches plus a charge if you want to do it. Yep. Uh, Captain Badruck, another classic character, the one free Buddhist character, always fun. Yes. Totally pirated out. King pirate. Yep. And then, but boys, gotta talk boys. Yep. They are important. They are the basis for pretty much every orc army, because you're gonna have lots of them. Yeah. And uh, the price of them actually went up a point between the index and this, but... Uh, uh, and their power level actually went down. Which is interesting. It's, yeah, a weird a weird mix. Yeah, but... but yeah. Uh, that extra point, uh, once we get into, like, the clan cultures, like, that's what's the main thing that's been added into the army. Yeah, when you've got something where you're running, like, 90, 120 of these guys... You need to have, with what they get from the cultures, their value went up. Let's, yes. let's be honest. But yeah, you can take them in either Shuda or Choppa 
varieties if you want to have them shoot or be more close combat focused. Although even the shooting ones are no slouch in class in close combat. Yes, just depends on if you want the extra attacks from having a slug and choppa. Yeah, which uh, orcs are base two attacks. So with a choppa, they're base three. Uh, you run out of dice fast, right? And as uh, there, there's more of them. They have the green tide roll, mm-hmm. uh, which adds another attack when they have twenty or more models. So, so let's just say a a thirty strong unit of boys with Slug and Choppa are rolling four attacks each. That's a hundred and twenty. Well, it'll be a hundred and sixteen. Then plus whatever the knob has, which the knob usually has one extra attack too. Yes, but often has a power claw, so it works out. To, so it's still about one hundred and twenty attacks. Right. 120 attacks coming at you at weapon skill 3, uh, strength 4. Right. Uh, add another 30 on there if you have Gazgul standing behind Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is when that dice rolling app the GW has is super uh, important. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's not a mu- there's very few mugs big enough to roll that many dice at once. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing about boys is... Again, quantity is a quality all its own in this army. Yeah, And then there's Gretchen, which is the other troop choice. And that's when you're going to see a lot of, not because of the Gretchen themselves, because Gretchen themselves are, are pretty crap, let's be they honest. They are, aside from, like, Chaos Furies, like, these are probably the worst statted things in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, I mean, they've got a better ballistic. They're better at shooting. Yes. They have crap guns, but... <laughs> they have really crap guns. Yeah. But uh, they're strength and toughness, too, and leadership, four. Right. And they don't have mob rule. <laughs> yeah. they uh, You can take them in groups of up to 30, and they're dirt cheap, but you're not taking them... And, like, you could take them to camp on objectives. They're not even terribly good at that. Yeah, because they don't... They don't stick. Yeah. But, with leadership, four. When we get to stratagems, you'll see why. Right now, they're a very popular unit. And yeah. To the point where, like, boxes are starting to sell out of Gretchen. Because mm-hmm. you get 10 Gretchen to a box, and people are wanting a lot of them. We'll get to why. Pain Boys, and then the name Pain Boy, Mad Dot Grotznik. They're basically your apothecaries. Sort of. Kind of? Yeah, basically. I mean, they... They don't have the ability to like bring models back like apothecaries do. They don't care enough. <laughs> but they, yeah, they can, they, they provide, you know, basically a six up feel no pain. Which is good. Which is if good. If you're within three inches of them. Right. And they can restore lost wounds. Right. To other, uh, to any of those units that have multi wounds. Right. Obviously. Although it, it's only, it only works on a two up. On a one, the surgery fails and the unit loses a wound, so it's risky. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, really, it's the it's the uh, six up, feel no pain within three inches. What you're generally going to be taking them for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although once per battle, you've got a grout orderly, you can re-roll that number that uh, sawbones ability. So if if you need to save a character, you've got a chance to not you, you've got a couple of chances to not roll a one. Yeah. And then there's Mad Doc Grotznik, who is the named version, who is just better. You know, he's got a he's got his own five up, feel no pain, and uh, well, he's also a bit crazy. Yeah, 
If he's not, if he's out on his own, if he's not within three inches of another friendly orc infantry unit, not within an inch of an enemy unit, or and is within twelve inches of an enemy unit, he will attempt to automatically charge. Depending on where he is, he could be a little bit of a liability to himself, but he is kind of crazy. Right. You just have to, you know, keep stuff near him to give him a like good direction. Right. Like, yeah. Let's see. You've got the. Uh, yeah, mechs, which are basically little versions of big mechs that you can just throw into your elite slot. Right. Which give you a chance to have, uh, well, they don't, they can't take custom mega blasts anymore, can they? Unless they just have uh, to take a slug. They have, they have the sluggas. They have the, the pistols. And they can also take the, uh, kill saw, which is like a power fist, but, uh, has set two damage. But a better AP. T- and, a, and a better AP. So. That's actually, that's actually kind of nice. And then I know that, like, there's other kind of mech equivalents that can get tacked onto a couple of the other units that can take custom mega blasters. Right. Uh, once upon a time, mechs were added as like a really, really cheap HQ choice. Now they are elites, and I don't think you'll see them as much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one character that you're splashing in. There's other elites choices that you can do more with. Uh, runt herds, even though Gretchen are super popular, runt herds are not um, because the a they're an extra character. You know, they're an extra slot you have to fill. You're not taking the uh, Gretchen uh, to keep them around. Actually, <laughs> oh, they don't count as they don't actually count as long as you have. Uh, a Gretchen infantry uh, unit. That true. Fair enough. Fair enough. But again, people aren't taking them. It, it, it's kind of a point thing. And like, yeah, you can use them to keep Gretchen around and not fail morale. But whatever, Gretchen are there. The Gretchen, if you're taking Gretchen, Gretchen are there to die. Yep. Absolutely. And and we'll and again, yeah, we'll see that later. Um, let's see. Burna Boys, always a fun choice because they have flamers that are also good in close combat. Yes. Because a minus two AP melee weapon is not a bad thing. Yeah. And also makes them risky to charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, Burna Boys are all, are, are a good elite choice. Uh, rolling those in, I remember one of the, f- back when Open Top was still a thing for like Stompas and stuff like that, having units oh, of Burna Boys. Yeah, with fire points and yeah. Yeah. The, the the unit of of Burna boys plus like uh, like a couple of mechanics in there to like repair wounds on the oh, on was, the stampa. Oh, that yeah. was that was great. Can't do that anymore. Although you still have open topped vehicles with yes. the battle wagon and the truck, so you can still have be rolling a truck full of these up and and burning people's faces. So, yep, fun choice. Uh, tank busters are like one of your anti armor units. Although they like to get in close and personal and do it, <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, back on the Burna Boys, a a I hadn't noticed this actually before, but like they're crazy. Like if they kill a unit, they're gonna automatically pre- pass their morale tests until the start of okay, your next that's, turn. That's kind that's of that's kind of neat. That is cool. And it kind of gets around the fact that they're a relatively small unit in an yeah. orc army. So mm-hmm. ha- giving them the option to not need to lean on having a big unit nearby, just right. as long as they kill something. So choose your targets well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, tank busters. I mean, they're fun. The tank hammer is a, 
it's a one-time thing. <laughs> very much one time because it kills the person using it. Yep. Which is very orky. Yeah. You gotta love that at least. But uh yeah, every time the bear fights, you can only make a single attack, but if it hits, the target takes D three mortal wounds and the bear is slain. Really, I would not send them after tanks. I would send them after I mean you can uh, re-roll hit rolls against vehicles, but go after characters. Yeah. I mean, they've got a weapon skill of three, so just doing mortal, like just ganging up on somebody and tank hammering them to death, is not a bad way to use them either. Yeah, and, and they have the the fun little bomb squigs. Yeah, that uh, have a a two up weapon skill and a two up ballistic skill. Yep, and uh, an eighteen inch range. And an eighteen inch range, and uh, the I mean, again, it it kills the model after after it goes, but. Strength 8, AP minus 2, D6 damage. Doesn't hurt. That's pretty nice. And uh, the bomb squig doesn't count as a model for morale. So right. So they's made to die. Yep. And then you get knobs, which are basically like taking a unit of sergeants. Although in this case, the sergeants all have power claws and want to rip your head off. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of interesting. They have like the option to take in a, a cyborg body. Back in the day, you used to be able to do, like, all cyborg bodies. Like, the points added up really fast, yeah. and it made but a that, really expensive unit, but it was... It was like a four-up invuln at the time, wasn't uh, it? It was a five-up. Five-up. But it was, like, one of the... Again, it was, like, one of the few invulnerable saves that the that the, the army has. Because, yeah, um, I remember back in the day, it was, like, a unit of knobs on bikes... With cyborg bodies, with a pain boy on a bike, riding with them, they were impot like because they'd it, get feel no pain from the pain boy. They'd get the cyborg body, so they have like a five up invulnerable. They'd have the smoke cloud rule that gave them a four up cover save. Yeah, they and they all had like two wounds each. And it was insane. It, it was, and you had like the wound allocation shenanigans of okay, this guy has a wound, and now the next wound that happens goes on to this guy, and so like. Yeah, they were like impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't miss the days of knob bikers, which are still in the codex, by the way. You can still yes. make knob bikers. And uh, you even have mega knobs, which is again, uh, terminate, basically terminator knobs. Right. But no invulnerable save. No invulnerable save. I mean, three wounds, three wounds, two up armor, four inch movement, which that's what really hurts them in this. Edition. Yeah. Because, again, this is not an army that, you know, they don't have the volume of bodies here to get a lot out of their shooting. You're not as likely to get a good effect out of Daka Daka Daka. Mm -hmm. And they're slow enough that unless you have them in a truck or a battle wagon that can unload them and get, you know, get them somewhere to unload them, they're going to have trouble getting into close combat. So, right. And they're expensive for what you get out of them. I think a unit of regular knobs will do better in most cases. Typically, yes. Yeah, yeah knobs on bikes, still good. And there are stratagems that give them the smoke cloud. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, but no cyborg bodies in the knobs on bikes. Sorry. And then you have uh, commandos, which are your sneaky orcs. Yep. And they do have a character, which we kind of skipped over, Boss Nickrot, who is... Uh, the sneakiest of sneaky commandos, but, right? Uh, but yeah, their thing is they can basically come up. They just you can deep strike them in. Yeah, uh, you know after the first turn, obviously, mm -hmm. and they get better uh, cover saves. Yep. Uh, and, and and they have a movement of six. Yeah, that really helps them. 
and you know they have they're basically um they're basically boys rather you know they're 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 sneaky boys yep with a sneaky knob in there and then you have war bikers which again you like if you're building a speed freaks army which fortunately all these vehicle units have a speed freaks uh trait or keyword which is important because there are uh stratagems that key off of that yeah but you can totally build a fully vehicular slash bike army out of this codex. Yeah. And, you know, they're fat, you know, 14 inch of movement. So they're moving as fast as that, uh, the war boss on a trike. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're fast attack. So you're, you're not going to be building a, bata- a battalion. So you're going to give up some on points. Although you can, you could build a cheap battalion to go with, go alongside these to get some extra CP. Right. And then build a, a you know, Build in bikes, or you could build them into the battalion because I don't think the battalion has to be all speed freaks. But uh, you'll want to have some troops to pad out a bit. But you can get a lot of work out done out of war bikers, right? Because uh, they still have they have daka daka daka, and they have uh, let's see. The, the daka gun. Yeah, they have a, each bike is a pair of daka guns, right? So so six shots, eighteen inch range, strength five. They you just a unit of like, uh, let's see. They can go up to twelve. They go up to twelve. Yeah, so that's like, a ton. That's of, a ton of shots. You're gonna get some sixes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we get into all the various uh buggy replacements. Once upon a time, they had war trikes and war buggies, or and and they were pretty old models. Oh, they were crap models. Yeah. We uh we when we did our orc army for the first Midwest Conquest charity raffle, you like made some custom ones out of like old uh, out of like uh, the Deathcopter models. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the new buggies are definitely bigger than <laughs> than yes. those. So because uh, they're on what like the base size, yeah, it's almost it's not quite night size, but it's like the Harspecs base or yeah, it, it's like the the monstrous creature kind of oh, will they like a like a trigon kind of sized base yeah it's it's a yeah so they they have a pretty good footprint and there's what like six different or five different varieties yeah there's five so so we've got the custom boostablasta which is uh let's see that's the one with the rivet cannon right yeah it it shoots a lot. Yeah. A lot of them have like kind of up close sort of like exhaust burner flamethrower type weapons, uh-huh. which is nice. Uh since they also kinda wanna get up there and get into close combat. Right. Um and like it has a spiked ram, which is kinda nice. Extra, it's kind of like your hammer, old hammer of wrath attack. Yeah, it's like you get in close, you're doing mortal wounds. You know when when you finish a charge. Yeah, but yeah, and uh, then you have the the shock jump dragster. Basically, think a shock it, attack gun, but it's a bike. Yep, and it has like its own like teleport that it can do during the game. <laughs> Which that's that's great. It, yeah. And here's the the great thing is, um, so it's got the the shock the custom shock rifle, which uh, is an, you know, first of all all these the great thing is all these weapons are assault, so it doesn't care how much you move, right? Uh, and even mm-hmm. if you advance, you can still fire it just with a slight penalty. But it's also got a grot gunner and targeting squid 
which adds two to its hit rolls. So it's actually got a ballistic skill three, four if you advanced. Right. That's fantastic for this army. And it, it's a strength eight, AP minus three, D6 damage weapon. It just, it acts kind of like an overcharged plasma pistol at all times. Yeah. Mm hmm. But, uh, no, I mean, if you want a, a fast gun platform that can teleport around, that's crazy silly fun. Uh, then boom, deck of snaz wagons. <laughs> it just sounds like these are just like they just took some words and smashed them together and and made these names. Uh, the boom deck snaz wagon that's never, uh, is basically there to uh, it's got a big shooter and then a bunch of uh, pyro grenades that it can throw. Right. And then the Megatrack scrap jet, which is the one you've actually got on the table right over here that you've been working on. Yeah, it is. It's basically just a jet that, well, it doesn't have wings anymore, so they put wheels on it instead. Why not? Yeah, it only moved because of the because of the Megatrax. It's not quite as fast as the others. It's only ten inch movement, but like it's got a spiked ram uh, again, and like wing missiles that are pretty good uh, uh, anti vehicle. Yep. And something they added to this, this does have a grot gunner, so uh, its weapons or its ballistic skill four with its uh, twin big shooter. Yes, which is and it's got two twin big shooters, so that's twelve shots. Yep. Yeah. So and with a thirty-six inch range, so uh, again, you know there there's there's some good. Even though this is technically an assault based army, there's some good shooting to be had in this army if you look for it. Yeah. And then finally, the Rucka Truck Squig Buggies, which, which coming is, from Cartoon Network this fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is probably one of the most like flexible ones because it has like these squig launchers that have like three different profiles each. Yeah, because depending on on like which of the three different like types of squigs you're like they're just shooting out at their opponent it it can actually do let's see are they are they bile uh, squigs that throw up on your opponent bitey squigs or are they boom squigs that just explode right yeah th- again the idea that, that and if i remember right from the uh, warhammer community it's also a food truck because because yep. they eat squigs yeah <laughs> and sometimes the squig eats you well, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you should have eaten it first. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the squig mine, it can drop behind it. So, yeah, no, th- this one and this one feels very orky also. That's yeah. one of the things I like about this one is, you know, how good it is is questionable. But Right. I mean, yeah, I don't have I, – I wish I had gotten a chance to get these put together and painted before Renegade, and I would have totally, like, just – run a bunch of speed freaks instead of the the army that I ran at Renegade, but I just didn't have the time. Let's see, getting into more fast attack, we've got Storm Boys, which we talked about. They're rebelliously stern and disciplined, and when they advance, you can just add six instead of rolling, but if you do, you roll a d6, and if for each model in the unit, yeah. which can get up to 30, and anytime you roll a one, that model just 
flies off into the <laughs> or explodes. But yep. you take a mortal. Basically, unit suffers a mortal wound for every one you roll. So yeah. But if you absolutely have to get there with a six inch, uh, you know, with a six inch advance, uh, you can do that. It just may cost you. But they already moved twelve. So I mean, this unit can truck along. They're yeah. Big, yeah. Uh, Defcoptas. Uh, unfortunately, you can't. I think other than the Battle for Vedra stuff, you can't buy the plastic ones separately. Yeah. Which is a shame because the old Defcopter models are trash. Yeah. Even though you have a couple of them on the shelf over there. but And they yeah. really stripped down the options on these guys a bit, too. Yeah. I mean, it it's pretty much still just based off of, like, like I'm kind of surprised they still have the twin big shooters as an option. In fact, that's like the default option. You have to right, but like the models, like the the Battle for Vedros pl- plastic ones that you can get, like the copter rockets are what those just have, right? So and and they lost their bomb. They can't yeah. drop a bomb anymore. But they can also uh, they do also kind of outflank. They can pop up anywhere within fourteen inches of a battlefield edge. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and like fourteen inch movement with a with a six inch advance. Yeah, just an automatic six inch, and the fly keyword. So and the fly keyword. Yeah, so that's like they're pretty good. They don't like they used to have options for like some better melee stuff, but yeah, that's not really what they're there for. Yeah, they're so they're just kind of scout and disrupt fine. disrupt your opponent's lines a bit. Mech guns. These are really popular right now because there's a couple of really good options and they fixed one of the issues with this from the index because the index version, the gunners were considered a separate unit from the gun. And so it got really weird for doing things like kill points and power level and right. And so they, they fixed the glitch by just saying it's one unit. The gunner models have to stay within an inch of the gun and they are never a separate model for any purpose. Yeah, not actually. They're the the rules actually specified. They're not just one unit. They are actually considered a single model. Yep. And they also say that you never measure uh, range or visibility from any of the crew. You only measure from the gun itself. Yeah. So uh, one thing that came like we discussed uh, kind of before recording was like with the mech guns. So the mech gun has six wounds, and there are five gunners plus a gunner model that is actually built into the gun itself. Yeah. You could re- basically use those crew as wound counters, although somebody yeah. might argue because technically now you're making the footprint of it smaller for the purposes of assault. Right. So like in match play, you probably want to track your wounds separately. But in friendly play, just pull gunners, and then the sixth gunner means, poop, you killed the gun. Yep. But... uh the one that's really popular right now is the... So there's four options. There's a bubble chucka, which is all random. 48-inch, heavy D6, strength D6, AP minus D6, damage D6. Could be good, could be terrible. Right. Um, there's the custom mega cannon, which is basically the same custom mega blast that we've seen other on other weapons. Just Right. In fact, actually, previous versions of bubble chuckas weren't as good because 
it it kind of did specify that like when it rolled its strength and AP, like that D six was the same. So it was always like strength like, one, AP one, did one. Oh right, or or one shot because I think the shot it's like. Uh, well, uh, this was back when AP was like a positive like value. Right, so AP like, one uh, was really good. Right. Yeah. Like it was what like armor saves over that couldn't be taken. Right. Like now a a, a bigger number AP is still good. Yeah. So like yeah. But yeah, everything and and the damage on all of these weapons, by the way, is D six. Yeah, it's orky. It's very random. Uh, the custom mega cannon is strength eight, AP minus three, and if you roll any ones, you take a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the <laughs> smash a gun, uh, heavy D three. Instead of making a wound roll, roll for the uh, instead of making a wound roll for this weapon, roll two D six. If you rolled two, r- rolled equal to or greater than the target's toughness, then it successfully wounds. And it's AP minus four D six. So rolling higher than a toughness on two D six is not hard. Yeah. I mean, you might start hitting some trouble around like your tough eight vehicles, mm-hmm. but even then you have to roll eight, nine, 10, 11, or 12 on 2d6. It's, you've got a pretty good chance. Yeah. Uh, and against infantry, you're almost guaranteed wounds. So, uh, it's only D3 shots. So it's really more of an anti vehicle gun. And then there's the tractor cannon. Only one shot, strength eight, AP minus two, as we said, D6 damage, auto hit. Yep. And again, this is the, because they're a Gretchen on the gun, it's BS4 instead of five, but this one just auto hits with its one attack. Uh, if the target is a vehicle that can fly, uh, you roll two dice when inflicting damage and discard the lowest result. And if a vehicle that can fly is destroyed by this weapon, the vehicle, the model automatically crashes and burns or equivalent to do not roll a die. I know some people have been like wanting to just take a whole bank of these because you can get up to uh, five guns or up to six guns per unit. Yeah. And they're relatively cheap. So like a mech guns are uh, 15 in, uh, fifteen points and that includes the crew. Right. <laughs> and then the uh, so the tractor cannon is 30 points. So for um, 45 points a gun. You can take up to six of these and target something that flies. And since most flyers have lower than tough eight, you're wounding on threes most likely. You're auto hitting. Uh, it's AP minus two, so might not be a lot of saves against most ve- most flyer vehicles are more be- uh, like armor four. Yeah. Uh, so let's say you're going to get, let's say you got six guns there. Let's say you get five of the wounds through. Right. That's 5d6 damage, and if it's something that flies, 5d6, 10d6, take the five highest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just kill a flyer a turn, but it also kill anything else a turn. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're they're super good. It it will add up in points. You're talking six of them is going to be 270 points, I think. But yeah, that's a very popular choice. Uh, the one hit, but auto, the one shot, but auto hitting is huge for them. I don't think you'll see people taking too many of the others. The yeah. custom mega cannon, maybe, but no, tra- tractor cannons where it's at as far as mech guns right now. Yeah. Now, granted, that also means you will never get the daka 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 effect because you are not never rolling to hit, but you're still well, talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't roll an unmodified six if you don't uh, roll to hit. Uh, right. 
Exactly. <laughs> Which, thank God, that thing doesn't need to explode and generate an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, getting into battle wagons. Battle wagons have been split into three different, uh, data sheets, kind of like Carnifexes were. Yep. Yep, you've got your you've got your basic battle wagon, which still has it still has all the options that a, a battle wagon has always had, pretty much, like at least pretty much since fifth edition. I mean, there's there's a couple of like equipment things that, uh, well, they're not equipment choices anymore because they moved them to being stratagems, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of better because. They were, those were kind of the like super situational things anyway. Yeah. So using them when you need to use them is better than build it, trying to build them into your army. Right. And it has, it's of the three options, it's the only one that has open topped. Right. And can, you can take, you can take Ardcase if you want, but you don't have to. Right. Um, Ardcase is kind of nice for the fact that it increases your toughness. Mm hmm. Um, and it has it has a greater transport capacity. It had, transports up to twenty models, which that's super good. Yes, that's nice. Um, and it ignores it. It's got some heavy weapon. It's got mostly heavy weapons for its special weapon, uh, but it ignores the penalty for moving and firing heavy weapons, which is nice. Yeah, no, it's it's a great choice, and it went down in points too. So yeah, so I mean. Definitely, if you need to get a lot of a lot of boys there and something that's tough and can actually put out some damage itself, it's a really good choice. Right, and it is it is still the super flexible like version of the battle wagon, and then you have the gun wagon, which is your your DACA wagon. It it can either have uh, a cannon or a kill cannon or a zap gun. And it only has transport capacity of 12. It has the ARD case by default. And, and then it also has, still has the mobile fortress. They, they all have the, the ability to move and fire heavy weapons. Um, but this one has the periscope rule, which says that if it remains stationary or moves under half of its speed, then it can shoot twice in the shooting phase with its cannon, kill cannon or zap gun. Yep. So basically the same thing that like Lehman Russes and fire prisms can do now. Right. So having that again, more shots good is always a good thing. And then there's the bone breaker, which is your close combat battle. wagon. Yep. Uh, it has uh, a death roller by default. Uh, and then, which is, you know, an option that, that, uh, Actually, I don't know that the gun wagon can take it. No, it can't. No. Uh, but the regular battle wagon can still take the, the death roller. But, like, if you really want a death roller, I think the bone break is what you want to get anyway. I mean, it still has the big gun on it. I mean, it it's going to look a lot like another battle wagon. Right. And the great thing is all the battle wagons have, like, six attacks base, which is ridiculous already. For, yeah. Um, and it... It's plus one strength, minus two AP, two damage, and you add three to hit rolls for attacks made with this weapon. It's so, got a weapon skill five, five, so twos. Twos. 
It hits on twos. Oh, and the Bone Breaker has the Bone Breaker Ram, which says it gets D6 additional attacks when it charged. Yep. <laughs> so it's hitting you on twos with six plus D6 attacks on the charge, and it's strength nine at its full health. Strength nine, AP minus two, two damage. Some, yeah. You're going to have a bad time. And it still has a capacity for 12. So you roll, you like, you roll up, you send out some boys, and then you have the bone break at charge in, eat the overwatch, and then have the boys follow up. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's pretty nice. And then we get, and then like later on, there's a specific, uh, clan that, uh, I think pairs up quite nicely with this thing. We'll get to that later. Yep. Let's see. You got Killicans and Death Dreads, which, Basically, are their equivalent of dreadnoughts. Killicans are piloted by Gretchen, which means I also don't get any of the orc cultures. Right. Uh, Deaf dreads are bigger orky versions of them. Uh, they're, I'd say, I don't know if I like Killicans that much. Uh, I mean, they're cheaper. They're, they're cheaper. I've, they, they still kind of get stuck in that same sort of place. I mean, these don't really get have a reason to take them for the same kind of you know basis that you know people don't take dreadnoughts yep and deaf dreads unfortunately kind of in the same spot right uh for casual for casual narrative play a can wall is a it'd be fun to take you can do an entire like can army in a spearhead yeah but uh with like maybe a big mech as your hq right but, uh, yeah, you're not going to, you don't see them much in competitive play, but they're still fun. The do, and the new Death Dread model that they released a few years ago when they redid that is awesome. Yeah. It's it, a really it's, cool model. Yeah. On the other hand, I think the Morkonaut and Gorkonaut got a new lease on life. Yeah. They actually are, are pretty nice. Like, I've always liked them, but like, I think they, they got cheaper for they, one thing. They got cheaper and at, I think that, puts them in a point where yeah you pretty much kind of want to consider taking them yeah i mean yeah. they're not a must take by any means but they're they're definitely a viable option right you've got your morcanot which is your kind of more mechy uh version where cuz it's got custom mega blasters and zappas so it's got strength 8 minus ap3 d6 weapons they both have the claw of Gork or possibly Mork, which is a, a a nice, you know, two mode weapon where it's got either the times two strength and D6 damage with their varying, you know, four attacks at their top uh, tier of damage uh, or the the smash, which makes which gets you three hit rolls for each attack. Kind of like Stompy Beat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this thing, it's not quite on a night level, it, but it's close. Yeah. It's actually got some stuff that's close. Uh, the, the custom Mega Zapper with heavy, you know, heavy 3D3 shots and then having a, a weapon that doesn't do six damage, but does D6 damage. You c- and you've got a five up invulnerable save against shooting. You're almost on par with a knight. Yeah. I mean, your same toughness, a few, uh, you know, fewer wounds, but you also have something that a knight doesn't have, and that's transport capacity. Yes. Because- six, six models that uh, 
can pop out of this and and like this is a way that i mean those those mega knobs that people aren't too keen on uh start at unit size of three and do take up an extra slot because of the mega armors kind of you know bulky. right this thing can hold six or this, can hold three no- it can hold three mega knobs and like these things are tough because you're talking eight toughness and 18 wounds like this is uh you know i mean they're not super fast but like eight and- eight to six to four movement like it's moves faster than mega knobs do so yep. like this would might be a way to like move mega knobs up and it does still have ear we go so it can still reroll charges yes so uh yeah so if you get up you've got a good chance to get in close combat and like i said you've got a transport capacity so like mega knobs or maybe a war boss and five knobs with power claws yep all coming out of this thing and then again it charges in it eats the overwatch and then they charge in and just wreck something right them plus a unit of bo- of, of knobs inside that'll take a night down yeah uh it it also has that ability to uh fall back and still shoot and or charge in the same turn that knights do yep so yeah, it's it's big and, and, and stomping. fire and fire heavy weapons without a penalty when it moves. But it's also only a heavy support, so you don't have to take an extra detachment to put it in. Right. So that helps too. And they're not as expensive as nothing. Yep. And then the the Gorkonaut has it's the same thing without the force si- field. Right. But with a gun that has eighteen shots. Yeah. <laughs> really more of an anti-infantry choice. Yeah. If I was going to pick mm-hmm. one of the two, I'd probably take the Morkonaut, honestly. I, I do. I do really like... I've always liked the Morkonaut because it's always pretty much had that custom force field option. Yeah. Um, But, like, they are both pretty neat, pretty good options, I think, now. Yeah. So, I mean, they're both... They, they do different, you know, similar roles, a little bit different, but... Neither is a bad choice. Right. And there's some stratagems that uh, we'll get to later yep. again. Yep. Stratagems. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Ludas. Ludas are important. Ludas are very popular right now because they have really slick guns. They they have they've pretty much always been popular and uh, their, their, uh, their def guns are pretty much the reason why. Strength 7, minus 1, AP, 2 damage. And D3 shots. Yep. And the only thing is you roll, instead of rolling once for every model, you just roll once for the unit, and that's how many shots they have. Right. The The interesting thing, like, it, it's one of the few units that has a heavy weapon. Yep. Uh, on, on orcs. So you're going to kind of want to find a spot for them and, and plunk them down. But, you know, 48-inch range, still pretty good. They're basically rocking autocannons. So. Yeah. Uh, flash gets who have the, their snaz guns, which, you know, flash kits don't just, don't seem as cool as they used to, although they have a better ballistic skill. That's, that's, yeah. And if they have, and their captain, their sergeant actually has a three up ballistic skill. Yeah. Cause he's got it. Well, if you take the get find a squig, which you want to take the get find a squig. Right. I, I think it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know that it actually even costs any points. Nope. 
it's free. Yeah, so, so there's no as- reason. There's no reason really not to like. Yeah. Eh, the only reason you wouldn't is because the model doesn't have it. Yeah. Now, the, I think one benefit the Ludas have over the Flash kits, besides the fact their gun is longer range and stronger, uh, is also that it can belong to any clan. Whereas the the Flash kits are always freebooters. Yeah. So you won't get any benefit from clan cultures unless you're taking all freebooters. Yeah. For the Flash kits. That's true. Yep. Uh, then you've got the truck, which is the classic transport. It's open topped. It can, it's got a, it can reduce the damage from weapons on a D6 by one because it's ramshackle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it reduces the damage. It doesn't, it, it's, it's it not reduces, a feeling. It doesn't reduce the damage by one. It reduces the, the damage to one. Ah, okay. There we go. That's, now, only on a six. Only on a six. But that can make a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that you're going to, this is a much cheaper alternative to battle wagons if you need to get boys there. Can only, yeah. it can hold 12, which means it can hold like 10 knob or 10 boys and a knob and a war boss if you want. Yes. And that is a popular choice. Get into their flyers. They've actually got some pretty decent flyers. Yeah. Um, again, you, it's, it's a, a lot of, lots of shooting. Um, the, like the DACA jet. I, I think I need to make another DACA jet because they are, they have four super shooters and can take an additional two super shooters. So six super shooters. Range 36 inches, assault 3, strength 6, AP minus 1, 1 damage. And if they fire all of them at one thing, they're plus 1 to hit. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, their ballistic skills uh, a 5 up, but then they also have that many shots. Daka 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 is going to. Yeah. Probably going to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've got the Burn Obama and the Blitz Obama. Uh, the Burn, Burn Obama is there to kind of. Take you know, take out infantry and cover. Yeah, and they've got a grot gunner on their big shooter, so that kind of makes up for the fact that the rest of their weapons are not going to hit as often. Right. Uh, Blitz bomb is more to take out vehicles or monsters with its bomb. Yeah, it used to be one of those units that was like, uh, I don't know if I ever want to take this because it it used to be able to like essentially just crash into things sure. and it ends up killing itself possibly but whereas now you just like up to twice per battle you drop a boom bomb as it flies over something you roll a d6 for each model in the unit rolling three dice instead if the model is a vehicle or monster up to a maximum of 12 dice for every roll of four up the enemy suffers one mortal wound which means on average you know you're gonna do like against a unit up to like on average six mortal wounds is nothing to sneeze at yeah uh, against vehicles or monsters, they say three, but usually that means you're going to be rolling three dice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, so it's actually better against large units than it is against vehicles or monsters. Strangely. Right. Uh, and then there's the Waz Bomb Blast Jet, which is the last one they added. What, like a before eight, it was like just before eighth edition hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, it's got basically mega cannons on it. You know, cut, kind of make custom Mega Blasta variants on it. Right. Uh, it is. It's another model also that has the option to take a custom force field. Yep. 
And the fact that this thing can move around a lot. Now, granted, it means it's going to be harder to keep units under it. Right. But it also means it itself always has a five up infall against shooting. Which yes. Is, um, and it ignores the penalty for moving and firing heavy weapons. And you can choose an enemy unit and add one to the hit rolls made against that unit with the model's smash a gun. Which it has two of the mega cannons, a smash a gun, and a stick bomb flinger. And it can take super shooters too. Yep. And the smash a gun is like the one that's on the uh, mech guns where you roll 2d6 and if it's higher than their toughness, higher than or equal to their toughness, you do the damage. Right. So having, you know, ignoring the penalty and then being able to hit on fours instead of fives, not bad. Yeah. And then finally, the stompa. Yes, that's you, the those Morkonauts and Gorkonauts sound cool. This is the big daddy of those. Now it's expensive as hell and yeah. forty six PL. Right. So, I mean, right. It's like I I often lament the fact that like I don't have like an orc equivalent that I can really use in a night joust. Um, like I I wish I wish there was like. A like just a a regular stompa, and then like this would be like a big mech stompa or something like yeah, something some, in the something middle. Something in the middle, because a uh, because uh, a gorkonaut and morkonaut quite not not quite big enough, and this thing's right. way too big. Yeah, you need yeah. something in the middle, but and uh, it starts at eight hundred and fifty points to put that in perspective. Oh, right before we've put any guns on it, so uh, the super gatla alone is twenty eight points so i mean now granted it has a ridiculous number of shots yeah yeah the uh the the super gatler which is 48 inches range heavy 3d6 strength 7 ap minus 2 and one damage and then basically uh, you can keep firing it yeah um, uh, like the first time you can choose to, to fire it again on a two plus, you can fire it again. Uh, and then you, after that, you can fire it a third time on, uh, five up. Yes. On a five up. Yeah. You can fire it again. However, if you fail any of those rolls, you cannot fire it again for the rest of the game. Yeah. So, uh, the two ups probably pretty safe. Yeah. But I wouldn't try to fire it a third time. Uh, until you get to like the last turn when it doesn't turn matter. or it's like down to like a few wounds left and then it, or, yeah when it, it just doesn't it, matter anymore oh right exactly yeah. and then yeah and then it's still beyond that it still has a def cannon 72 inch range heavy 3d6 strength 10 ap minus 4 d6 damage yeah i mean this is probably the most powerful Lord of War outside of like the Imperial Armor indexes when you get like Titans. Right. This thing is just shy of a Titan. And it's amazing that it's in the core book because it's also the only like Titan scale, like really truly Titan scale level thing that's in plastic. Yeah. And it is awesome. Uh, and it's got a transport capacity of 20. So. <laughs> yeah. So again, not only is it nasty in and of itself, um, and it has, uh, it's got six attacks base, and it can do the same thing with its Mega Choppa that most other units can do. Oh, and it's strength 10, so it's Mega Choppa. If it just goes against, like, the single attacks, strength 20. <laughs> right. So, yeah, this thing's 
really, really nasty, but also it's half your army in a 2,000 point oh, game. Right. But it, that might be, depending on what you're doing, that might be a good port- purchase. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, definitely a fun one to see in Apocalypse games, too. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is basically just a, a big, like, cone of sheet metal with like an orc head like slapped on top yeah. and like arm and like, all the guns and all the guns all the guns yeah oh and in, remember we talked about how you used to be able to put mechs inside and get it uh to heal uh it just has that built in now on a two up every turn it regains d3 lost wounds uh, right yeah and then you have their uh one fortification that is new yep the mech, uh, boy. The mech boy workshop yep uh, and like it has like a grab and claw that it can make, uh, let's see. Like if, if an enemy unit gets it's, within an inch of it. Yeah. It can cause some mortal wounds. Um, but the main thing is, is it's going to, uh, like, uh, buff up your vehicles, like all those new vehicles that they just put out. Let's make them better. Yeah. It's kind of the equivalent of like the. The night fortification, where it's yeah. like you park a vehicle there, and then the next turn it gets a it gets a buff. Yep. So uh, whether that's uh, healing lost wounds, uh, sometimes on a six it'll get an ex something extra special and get an extra toughness. Right. Or it can get uh, more speed or more DACA, in which case the next time it fires, it just maximizes the number of shots and could possibly get plus one damage. Yep. So. Uh, so just again, just is it is it amazingly like super powerful? No, but it's kind of fun and cool, especially if you're yeah. doing like a speed freaks army. Yep, and those those six bonuses, uh, those are like the regular bonuses are like the next turn. Yeah, the sixes are for the rest of the battle. Right, right. So that's pretty cool. So let's talk cultures and stratagems real quick. Yeah, because I know we're we're running over on time, but. Yep. Uh, so the cultures, which are basically your chapter tactics, and a couple of things on this. First off, off Gretchen units, any unit that's entirely Gretchen, which is Gretchen, Killicans, Mech Guns, they don't get these at all. They never get any benefit from them because they're not orcs. Yep. And then if you uh, and your Freebirders units like Captain Badruck or the Flashkits, uh, or I should say the Flashkits unit specifically, uh, they can be dropped into any detachment. They're never getting that clan's culture, nor do they get their own freebooters culture unless they're only in a freebooters detachment. So Goths, uh, that's the one you ran at the Friendly. Yes, yes. And I like this quite a bit. Um, It is very close combat focused because basically, you know that Daka 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 rule? Well, make that for... uh, Make that for close combat too. Yep, your sixes explode. Now you don't get the auto hit on sixes, but generally there's not too many penalties there's, and yeah, close there's combat. not really, really any. That's not as a concern in close combat. Yeah. So, so those hundred and twenty some dice we were talking about rolling with uh, with a unit of boys right. could quickly get out of hand. Yeah, and 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 that's a thing that I mean. Their ballistic skill in orcs is traditionally bad. But, like, weapon skill, pretty much across the board, you're looking at, at a lot of threes, yeah. three ups, a few two ups, you know, they're they're good at close combat, so. Yeah. 
Uh, bad moons, armed to the teeth. Uh, reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made by models with this culture in the shooting phase. Because they've just got the best guns and the best gear. Yep. Evil suns, red ones go faster. Add one to the move characteristic of models with this culture, adding two instead if that model is a speed freak, which is bikes, buggies, stuff like that. M- most of the things that you're going to have ba- yep. if, if you're building evil sons. And add one to the advance and charge rolls made for them. In addition, so that's one to advance and charge rolls and movement for everything. So, because uh, uh, the cultures, uh, it's all orc, all clan units. It's not just infantry. It's not just... You know, it's everything. So your boys move six. Your bikes move like 16. <laughs> yep. uh, you're, and you plus one to advance and charge rolls. So you're charging, you know, and you still have here we go with that. So, yeah, this this move, army can move. And in addition, they don't suffer any penalty for advancing and firing assault weapons, which is most of their guns. Yeah. So y- your shooter boys are hoofing it. Everybody's going. It's... Evil Sons is a good, good culture. Yeah. Death Skulls, Lucky Blue gets. Models of this culture have a six-up invulnerable save. In addition, you can reroll a single hit roll, wound roll, or and damage roll for each unit with this culture each time it shoots or fights. In addition, infantry units with this culture gain the This Is Our Zogoff ability, even if they're, which is their objective secured, even if they don't have troops. So everything is obsec in your army. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty good based on, like, all of those three things individually are, you know, those are okay things. Like, all three of them together. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. And, yeah, the the and the and reason this Lucky Blue gets is that uh, Death Skulls believe the color blue is lucky. Yep. So they paint themselves blue because it's lucky. Snake Bites. The old ways. Roll a die each time this model loses a wound. And on a six up, it is not lost. Uh, if the model has a similar ability, you can choose which, like a Ramshackle or Super Cyborg Shiny Gubbins, which is their one of their relics. You can use choose which ability to use, but you can't use both. Right. But six up, feel no pain, also a very good choice. Yeah. And again, this is one of those cases where a six up, eh, that's not that great. But when you're rolling for 30 boys, that's mm. a lot of sixes. Yep. Uh, blood axes have tactics. They are always in cover, even when they're not entirely on or in a train feature. If the enemy is more than twelve or more than eighteen inches away, in addition, they can uh, shoot and sh- shoot or charge, but not both if they fell back. Yeah, this is the culture that I'm like. Hey, let's let's make some bone breakers that uh-huh. are that can like charge in, get that extra d6, and then fall back. fall back again and charge again. Oh god. And I have a feeling that this gains the benefit of cover from more than 18 inches away is what we're going to see in chapter approved for like, uh, ally talk and Raven guard. Yeah. I think that's going to be a, a thing. Yeah. That, so that's... they're kind of building that into this book. Although from what we understand, this was probably built longer in advance, but I like this version better. Yeah. I, for balance v- purposes. And then finally, free Buddhas add one to hit rolls for attacks made by models of this culture. If any other friendly unit with this culture within 24 inches has destroyed an enemy unit this phase. This was the loser. <laughs> yeah, that one's not as, it's not as good. I mean, the others are just way better, but yeah. you're not going to see it very often because not many people are going to be taking full free Buddhas. Oh, right. And then finally, that takes us to stratagems and, uh, there's some important ones here uh, that are in and stratagems is one thing that obviously orcs lacked in the index and they got some good ones. Yeah. Uh, uh, one very important one I think is mob up. 
Yeah, which that, is originally we saw in the uh, last chapter approved. Right. Uh, and it's unchanged from that. Yeah, basically you've got two two infantry units within two inches of each other that are from the same data sheet. If one unit has 10 or more models and the other has 10 or fewer, the two units merge. And for the rest of the battle, they count as a single uh, single unit. So you've got that, that mob that has... Uh, 30 and that other one that's like down to five. Now you have a mob of 35. Yeah. So, and they have clarified in the most recent fact that neither of those units are considered destroyed for any sort of victory points. Right. Yeah. They just, yeah, it doesn't count as first blood or anything. And, uh, if they have any existing rules effects, they still apply too. Yeah. Uh, which also means, like, if one of them advanced and the other didn't, then they all count as having advanced. Right. So, and so. there are a, a number of – there are some modifications from other things that will call out specifically that that unit can no longer mob up. Right. Um, but those will be specified within those rules. Yeah. Um, you can skip ahead. Uh, Warped is the stratagem that's going to get you a better psyker. You spend a command point to get a Psyker that can know one additional power and uh, deny one additional, or no, no, and manifest. They can still only deny one. So, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ramming speed, making a, ch- a charge on 3d6. Yeah. Although you still can only declare a charge against something within 12 inches. It just makes it, it very sure that you're going to get there. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's a vehicle. Yeah, it has to be it a vehicle. It has to be a vehicle. No. And then, yeah, if you if, if you succeed at the charge, you pick an enemy within an inch, and on a 2d6, they take d3 mortal wounds. So, mm. not bad. Uh, boarding action, this is a replacement for the... The, uh, the boarding planks? Boarding planks that it just... It, it lets you run up and, and have a, a model embarked on a vehicle, make a, a single melee attack... Yeah, but uh, it's per model, so at least, like, if you've got a, a battle wagon full or of 20 boys. models, yeah. yeah. So, battle wagon with 20 boys, that's 20 attacks. Yep. Not bad. Uh, they have the extra gumbins, which is their extra relic, relic one, which, yeah. is, which is pretty standard. Yep. Get stuck in, lads. When you fight, fight a second time. Three command points, but I can understand why, because 30, 30 orc it, boys fighting again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, billowing exhaust clouds, I think, is an important one. Yes. Uh, it's a, for a speed freaks unit, uh, gets their, uh, a minus one to hit for all, uh, ranged attacks against them for. Which is that old smoke uh, cloud ability they had, kind of. Yep. Kind of. Um, and then there's also like the force field projector lets you get those custom force fields to 18 inches. Yeah. Which, like, you do that like early in the game to keep your stuff alive a little bit, just that much longer. Yeah. Yeah. That'll mm-hmm. help, but it's three CP. It's real expensive. It's real expensive. And some of these you're going to, you're going to be burning through CP in this army, I think. Yeah. And with as many mo- as many models as you are having, like it, it's going to take some creative accounting to kind of get a lot of CPs out of this. Yeah. I think so. Uh, Ard boys, uh, are back. Uh, 
although they are now a five up save. I don't know if that's worth two command points. I, I don't think it is. I mean, I probably like in retrospect from the, the experience of playing and this is probably just more anecdotal. Like I spent two CP to make two units of scar boys in the army that I was playing at the renegade friendly, uh-huh. which is what plus one strength plus we'll get one to that strength. One. Um, and like just the armies that I faced up against that really didn't make it much of a difference at all. Cause you were already stronger than Cause them. I was already either stronger or much weaker than the models that they, all the models that they had. Yeah. Um, and so the art boys like making one unit of art boys probably actually would have made a difference. Yeah. So, but still two CP for one unit is pricey. Yeah. Um, but then more DACA. I like more DACA. Makes that DACA, DACA, DACA go off on fives and sixes. Yeah. Which means auto hit on fives and sixes and explodes on fives and sixes. Yes. So, yeah. That, again, two CP, but like on one turn, you'll be throwing out it like on a shoot a squad. Yeah. Yep. But no, the big money is on tele, uh, one of the big money is on teleporta. Yeah. So, like we said, orcs have the best teleportation technology, and this one is slick. Uh, set up any orc unit from your army with a power rating of 20 or less, uh, and then they basically deep strike in. You can do this with a transport, and they have clarified in the FAQ that 20 PL does not count. You ignore anything inside the transport. Right. And what what of our favorite transports happens to be within uh, uh, less than 20 PL? Oh, uh, more cannot. Yep. Yep. And then you also use this in combination with another one. Well, we'll skip. Why don't we just jump to that one? We'll jump to that one too. Um, because you drop that more cannot like in front of your opponents with the five knobs with power claws and a war boss. And uh, say they do actually manage to blow it up in that turn. Yeah, which would be bad. Which I mean. would be bad. But then the knobs and the war boss get out and the knobs can loot it, which one CP uses stratagem when a vehicle unit is destroyed within three inches of an orc infantry unit from your army. Or they've routed that to include or that you were embarked in the vehicle. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the save characteristic of that infantry unit is improved by one to a, to a maximum of two up to a maximum of two up, which I don't know, like one up mega knobs would be pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, with the way the game works now, ones still fail Yeah, and like AP would still, but anyway, but whatever, but getting your, your, your knobs and war bosses down to like a five up or a four up or, you know. Right. Well, they're, they're four ups, so, so it'd be three ups. Oh, Jeebus. Yeah. 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 And then, like, you could possibly get, like, CP back if you actually it, use that on Ludas. I don't see Ludas necessarily using Because Ludas that. don't want to be in a transport. And well, if it, and Right. If, and if you destroyed a vehicle within three inches of you, I mean, yeah, it's not... That's very conditional. That but, that's super conditional. But you can like totally. It's it's, fl- it's really fluffy, but it's pretty. It's pretty conditional. But the idea of being able to like, yeah, okay, so you killed the transport. Good for you. I now have a th- 
I have a three up armor save now. Yes. For one command point. Yes. And then there's the, the, the stratagem that everybody's really taking, and that's grot shields. Right. So we, we mentioned that nobody's taking grots for what, for what they do on the field. They take grots to die. This is why. So you use the stratagem after a infantry unit, clan infantry unit from your army, excluding units comprised entirely by Gretchen because Gretchen won't shield each other. Uh, has been hit by a ranged weapon. Until the end of the phase, you can roll a d6 each time a model from that unit loses a wound if there's a friendly unit comprised entirely of clan Gretchen infantry models within six inches of it, and the Gretchen unit is closer to the attacking model than the target. Now, and then it got eroded on a 2+. plus One model of your choice in that Gretchen unit is slain, and the attack sequence ends. Which is a wording that a lot of people are confusing, and it's understandable, right? That it's when we when we think attack sequence ends, it's like holy crap! I rolled like twenty four shots, and you're saying the first grot jumps in the way, and now the other twenty three shots don't happen. No, 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 because I mean, think about the 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 wording on like daka daka daka. Each attack that rolls a six, you know, explodes like. All of these dice that you're throwing, those are all individual attacks with their own, essentially their own attack sequence of rolling to hit, rolling to wound, applying the wound, throwing any relevant saves, so on and so forth. Right. So when it says the attack sequence ends, the attack sequence ends for that one wound that you rolled a two up on to kill a Gretchen. Right. So basically the way the, the attack sequence, if you read it, resolve attacks, it's make hit roll, make wound roll, enemy allocates wound, enemy makes saving throw, inflict damage. Well, what the way that says with end the attack sequence is you make the hit roll, you've made the wound roll. The wound gets allocated to a, a, an orc which is the trigger for this crotch shield. Oh, it doesn't even get allocated. It's just it's, the unit's been wounded. Right. Because they changed it. The the errata says, when a unit in your army has been hit by a ranged weapon, okay. you can roll a d6 each time an attack made with a ranged weapon wounds that unit. Wo- okay, yes. So, so, so they've rolled the hit, they've rolled to wound, and that for that hit, and now you do the, gr- the grot shield, you roll, a two, you roll a d6 on a two up, you don't go any further. You don't allocate the wound. You don't save it. You right. Don't determine damage. Right. You still have to roll a a essentially a d6 for each time the unit's wounded. Right. As long as there's still Gretchen left to to kill. Right. <laughs> right. So like if there are 24 shots, most likely you'll kill all the Gretchen, and then there will probably be like another dozen attacks to get through. Yeah. So. It's not, it doesn't, we're just used to fast rolling everything together and just thinking right. of, it's a block of attacks. It's, it's an attack. Right. It's the, a shooting I'm, attack. They right. are making a shooting attack that has this many shots. Right. It, but, but yes, each each shot is technically its own attack. We just roll them together because otherwise if we rolled every single one out in its own sequence one by one. The game would take forever. Right. But yeah, the attack sequence ends for that particular shot, for right. that particular wound. So you kind of have to... It makes sense, but yeah, don't get confused by the wording and think, oh, God, that means the attack sequence ends. What if that was only the first gun? 
Right. Right. Well, you're still firing, figuring out the rest of the shots for that gun, and then you're firing another sh- another weapon because choosing the range weapon is actually outside of the attack sequence. Yeah. So it, it goes: shoot, choose the unit to shoot with, choose targets, choose ranged weapon, then resolve attacks, and that's when you enter the attack sequence. So it's on the one hand they're actually being super clear. On the other hand, it's so we're so unused to that terminology that it seems confusing. But I see what. But yeah, what. It's really clear when you do think about it. And then let's see. I think the other one that I would uh, another the main other one that I would pick out of these stratagems is the unstoppable green tide. Yep. For three CPs, use the stratagem at the end of your movement phase. Select a unit of boys from your army that has less than half of the starting number of models and remove it from the battlefield. You can then set it up wholly again within six inches of the edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches away from any enemy models at its full starting strength. It's basically tight of traders for mo- for boys. Right. Um, that's super good. Uh, yeah. And that's why it's just like tight of traders. It's limited to once per game and it costs three CP. Right. Uh, it's... Because being able to bring back a unit of 30 boys, now, granted, it's within six inches of the edge of the battlefield, but it's any edge of the battlefield. It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just like, they come in from any direction. So, yeah, no, that's that's super good. That is super good. Um, otherwise, we've got all the, uh, the, the clan stratagems. Most of them are okay. Yeah. Um, like, uh... The like bad moons can shoot an additional time, which is not bad. Yeah. Although, or you know, again, it's orc shooting on Luda's on bad moon Luda's though. That could be really good. Yeah. Uh, especially because you're re-rolling ones with them. Uh, evil sons get a free uh, movement phase at the end of their shooting phase. They just can't charge that turn. Yeah. So if they need to get in position somewhere, um. Other than that, I mean, you took you mentioned scar boys for goths. It's plus one strength for their or actually sets their strength to five it's not even just plus yes. one so it doesn't yeah, stack with bonuses and then uh i mean after that it's you know psychic powers which you know they've got the ones from the you know the big ones from the index was always the jump was a big one that one is still good yes uh fists of gork gives you plus two strength and uh attack characteristics to a particular character which is it, that kind of nice it's kind of nice although Really, on the way I would run, run characters is typically in transports until they don't have to be. And so, which means you're not going to get, you'll get to target them the one turn they come out. Yeah. But you got to be within 12 inches of the psyker. That's the, that's the big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it really, the, the jump's going to be the main one. Ed Bangers. Oh, Warpath is good. Yeah. Warpath is good. Uh, cause it's, you pick an orc unit within 18 inches, increase the unit's attack characteristics of one. Yay. Hey. So Gazgull, Choppa Boys. Oh, geez. It's like we're talking about, we're talking two Warpath. That'd be 200 attacks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you like rolling dice. <laughs> yes. I think even the GW dice app would die after him. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, we're talking perfect conditions, but yeah. But yeah, Warpath and the Jump are probably the big ones you're going to see. Right. And we need to we need to wrap up. All right. I need to go. Okay. Uh, so we'll I mean we'll skip relics for yeah. right now. We, we're running low on time. But with that, we will. Uh, so we'll talk. You know, Warlord tr- 
I don't think too many of the warlord traits. Uh, Follow me, lads, is a decent one for because it makes your war bosses better. Right, gives them an ex- extra range on their wall, which is actually that's that's worth it. Yeah, and an extra command point, which you need all of it that you can in this. Yeah, um, blood axes have the uh, whenever you uh, roll a dice for each command point you spend using stratagems uh, on a six, that command point is immediately refunded. So there's your command point ref- although, uh, regeneration. Although I kind of like Goff's uh, plus one attack on your warlord. Uh, Evil Sons, uh, which they actually added another thing in the errata to that one. Oh, the on the proper killie. Uh, in addition, armor penetration. So your AP improves by one. Also, yes, that's much, oh, much better. I mean, yeah. plus one attack was good. Plus one attack, minus one AP, even better. Yeah. Um, Evil Sons being able to charge uh, your warlord and friendly Evil Sons units within six can charge even if they fell back. That's pretty nice. Bad Moons four up invulnerable save. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's some good warlord traits, and I I think even though blood axes have the command refund, I think that's not nearly as important as it I, used to be. Yeah. So I I think there there's some there's some good ones. Um. So all in all, I like the orc codex. Yes. I think it's got a lot of tools. There's a lot of fun to be had with the stratagems, and I think and obviously we've seen it win win a tournament, so it yep. can work. Uh, speed with the army is still a problem because it's a lot of models and a lot of dice. But yeah. uh, there's not nearly as much crazy randomness as there used to be, which is good. Yeah, it. it I kind of miss the flavor, but yeah, it's still good. All right, and on that, we're gonna switch over to some hobby progress. Um, so I have been really not <laughs> doing much because right after Renegade, like I was home for two days and then went on uh, Thanksgiving vacation to visit. Uh, my wife's family, so I uh, didn't get, haven't done much work in the last week or so. And it's also my workspace is in the garage, and we got a blizzard that came in on Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so for the last, for like the first part of last week, it's been too cold to work in the garage, even <laughs> with a space heater. So uh, I am, it's actually a bit warmer today, so I may get back to working. But I did on my trip, like on our way out of town, there's a, uh, uh, Games Workshop store in uh, Chesterfield, which is uh, on the outskirts of St. Louis, and actually that's I think the only GW store in the St. Louis area. So I and it was on our way out, and we're like, eh, we need to pick up uh, dinner for the road. And my wife's like, you know, you're gonna want to stop at the GW store. I'm like, no, nah, I don't need to stop at the GW store. I don't need to have anything to buy. Oh no, you want to stop at the GW store? I no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I bet you're gonna go in the GW store. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then we, we partner like, oh, look, there's a firehouse subs. We can get, I can get a meal there. Oh, look, it's right next to the GW store. She's like, yeah, I knew you were going to go in. <laughs> <laughs> and she was right. And so I bought, uh, the foul blight spawn, or no, I had the foul blight spawn. I bought the biologist putrid, the, the blight grenade guy right. and the plague surgeon. So I've got two other characters for my, uh, my death guard. I picked those up and the Imperial Knight data cards since I'm playing, been playing them enough that it would be really nice to have those right in front of me. So yeah, I still managed to, I can't get away, <laughs> but I got those built. I've got Kevin's town art on my painting table ready to go, but it's just been too cold to work in the garage, but hopefully that'll be better soon. That, so that's it for me. I'm still on my get all this old Space Wolf and Death Watch Primaris put together, which I've you've probably been hearing for almost like two to three months. Um, I got stuck when I was putting together the um, not Repulsor, Redemptor Dread, and um, 
Yeah, its arms were would not turn when I put them in, and so I said, "Well, I need to show it to like Rob and Richard. Maybe they'll give me some advice or some tips or something." And so while we were here, and you might have heard us laughing and stuff and talking about it, Richard, um, I think thinned down some of the connection pieces on the arms, and they they were a very very snug fit. They're still a snug fit, but now they're they're on and and movable. So thank right. you, Richard. And yeah, th- I had a hold up, and it just it was a mental hold up of like. I couldn't progress on anything else until this one was solved, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, yeah, I'm my goal now, maybe for the rest of the year, which is only a month, yeah. is maybe get my Space Wolf and Death Watch Primaris finally put together. <laughs> and for me, I since coming back from Renegade, uh, I've finally gotten around to starting to put together the the all the the new orc vehicles. Um, I got the, the war trike basically put together, uh, just the vehicle part itself. I still need to put the orcs on it. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I'm trying to decide if I want to do any conversion to them or not. But, uh, so that's kind of where I stopped with that. And then I started putting together the, the Megatrack scrapjet. So I, that one looks really cool. Looking forward to getting that one done. Cool. And the goal is just to get all the rest of the the new work vehicle stuff put together before the end of the year. So then you can add them to your WA. Yes. All right. And with that, I think that wraps up our show. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I imagine we'll be talking chapter approved and possibly the campaign book if it's out yet. But I know I'm pretty sure chapter approved will be out. So I imagine there will be a lot to absorb there, including a new sister's codex. So uh, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob. Dennis. And Richard. Good night. Good gaming. And Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.